Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Move It, Shake It, Celebrated Street Party. Once a year, we throw a party here in town. <laughs> oh, yeah. Music for my ears. <laughs> Just wait till you see it in a bright new way, one light at a time. I wonder if the band is ready now. W. -W. Your information Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 591, and I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you go to the Disney parks, but I also want to bring you some of that Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, my live video broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night, videos, blogs, special events, and more. Whether it's your first time visiting or have been hundreds of times, if you're planning your next vacation or just love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there is something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. If you're a new listener, thank you, welcome. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts and find everything else at www.radio.com. So Disney Plus isn't just a great way to watch, revisit, and discover movies, series, and specials, but it also affords us the opportunity to bring the magic of the Disney parks home. This week, we're going to share our playlist of what to watch on Disney Plus when you can't get to the Disney parks. It's going to be a compilation of some of the titles that will enhance your enjoyment, appreciation, and understanding of the parks through new and classic documentaries and films. We'll then go park by park and land by land and share what movies and series you should watch and why and just how they connect and relate to the attractions, shows, and land. We'll also share some hidden treasures on Disney+, Plus, our personal favorites, and ask for your recommendations as well. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, updates, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. When I was writing my first Walt Disney World trivia book in 2003, I included a question that went something like, what was the only time that Walt Disney World had ever closed? And the answer at that time was in September 1999, Disney World closed for Hurricane Floyd, which is a Category 4 hurricane. And then, for really the first time ever in its 28-year history, Walt Disney World closed for an entire day which, by the way, was under the supervision of then-executive vice president of Walt Disney World Operations and my friend and former guest Lee Cockerell when they closed for 9-11. And then over the years, they closed for Floyd, Charlie, Francis, Gene, Matt. These aren't people. These are hurricanes, by the way. And Irma in 2017. But after they closed for a brief period of time, um, things would 
normally just quickly go back to normal and the parks would opening up uh, on the following day or so. Um, in fact, did you know that for the 1983 movie Vacation, they wanted Walt Disney World to be the destination, but Disney was like, no, 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 our parks never close. And then 2020 says, hold my dole whip. Um, we all know what has happened and the parks being closed for an unprecedented period of time has really left us all, um, you know, sad and shaken and really just missing the ability to walk right down the middle of Main Street, USA. Um, But there are ways, as there always have been really for years, to fill that void and even virtually visit. Um, And that's why I started this show back in 2005. It's why I started live broadcasting in 2007. Uh, The virtual audio tours series also started in 2007 because they were all meant to connect you to this place and the feeling that we all love and appreciate and now really miss so very much. Um, And it doesn't take long. um, It doesn't take a global pandemic for us to miss the place because whether we can't go for a week, a month, a year, or a decade in between trips, I think we all long for the feelings that the park experiences give us. So this week, I want to help keep that connection and reinforce it and even enhance your enjoyment and appreciation of the parks even further. And thanks to Disney Plus, there are now so many ways to literally bring that magic home. So we're going to share our Disney Plus parks playlist, uh, movies, specials, and series that that are going to bring the parks to you. And joining me is a fellow friend, podcaster, a longtime Disney Parks fan, uh, Connor Brown from WDWOpinion.com. Lou, thank you so very much for having me. I have just one question to start. Are are the Walt Disney World Parks closed? (laughs) I've been cooped up in my apartment for the last six months with Disney Plus on. I haven't haven't stepped foot outside. I have no idea. Listen, man, timing is everything, right? I mean, Disney Plus really did just come at the right time for us fans and even more so with being so connected from the parks and the movies and and our friends um, being able to enjoy these things together look I, i've spent a lot of time um not just re-watching old favorites but i think what this has afforded us look I, again i'll always make lemonade from lemons i, I will always find opportunity where you know even in, during this pandemic and, I, and what i found was we have the opportunity to really, you know, deep dive um, into the archives of of Disney Plus, and there's the opportunity for discovery there. And I think that's one of the reasons why this is such an interesting segment because we have the opportunity to turn people on to some of the older titles and hidden gems, and really make the connection to the parks in some way. Yeah, and I I think you know people get into Disney Plus for those brands that you see right on the homepage, right? Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, those big ones that, you know, as of late have been hitting blockbuster, blockbuster, blockbuster. But I think what people stay for are hopefully these hidden gems. I mean, that's the reason, you know, I haven't left my apartment in six months because (laughs) of those hidden gems, because I'm like, oh my gosh, look at these old school classics on there. And also look at these things I never knew still existed that you get to enjoy anytime you want. And you can enjoy it from the comfort of your own couch. 
Uh, look, and I agree with you. I mean, it's very easy to sort of watch and and binge watch the the top level stuff. What I mean is, you know, all the Star Wars films, all the Marvel films, which I may or may not have watched all of them. You know, the Mandalorian things like that. But there's so much more I think that has not necessarily been seen, or that people realize can and will connect them to the parks in some way. So this really is sort of a playlist for you of what to watch to bring the parks home and to help you understand and appreciate them some more. So we're going to share what we think you should watch, why, and I'm sure along the way, some of our personal favorites as well. And I think we're going to sort of attack this in in two different ways. The first is going to be a list of ones that I think will help tell and share the stories of the parks, the people, their history. And the second, we're going to go through land by land, park by park, those movies and series to watch to help you understand that place, that land, and the stories even more. And um, what I love about uh, um, Disney Plus is the fact that, you know, you can continue to discover these things, but I say this all the time. There, You come to a certain point in your Disney fandom where it's beyond just the normal movies, beyond just visiting the parks. Now, all of a sudden, you have to learn everything about the history of the parks, about the people that built it, about you know uh, uh, the stories behind the parks and things like that. Disney Plus, it's the best way to do that, to broaden your Disney fandom. Without a doubt. And the one thing I love, too, is everything is is so very accessible, meaning you don't have to be a hardcore fan. But if you are, there are things that will let you go and dive and dig a little bit deeper. And I, it, like Even this week, I just happened upon a couple of things I didn't even know were on there and really was, and I'll mention it when we get to it, but I think is a hidden gem. It makes me appreciate one of my favorite parts of the park even more beautifully well done and it's not something that you're going to see you know promoted everywhere because it's not you know avengers endgame oh it's not avengers endgame (laughs) or is it all right so look let's let's dive right in and i think look let's let's get the you know 800 pound gorilla um out of the way the imagineering story is for me connor it's worth the price of disney plus alone um I, i think that this show is so beautifully done um, with incredible, amazing restored footage. Uh, it's basically a miniseries which was created and directed uh, by Leslie Iwerks. Um, you probably know the the Iwerks name. Um, he is the uh, she is the the granddaughter of Ub Iwerks and daughter of former uh, Disney executive Don Iwerks, and this. 10-part series really takes an in-depth, pretty chronological look at the history and the creation of all of the theme parks and attractions around the world. Um, And I have to tell you, now, this was originally supposed to be a full documentary when it was announced like seven years ago, I think, 2012, 2013. They talked about this being a a film, and then they were going to change it to a series of, of six one-hour episodes, um, but it's it starts off with the happiest place on earth. What would Walt do? The Midas Touch, talking about again that the beautiful story, of the the Eisner Wells takeover, really really well done. Uh, hit or miss, talking about some of the things that 
did and did not happen, a carousel of progress and to infinity and beyond. And you talked about the incredible footage a little bit, but all I can say is thank God this wasn't just a single documentary because my biggest thing with this is I want more. I want more of it. And even if we get these, you know, 10 episodes, uh, I still wanted more. And it's just great because I feel like this was a gift from Disney to its parks fans, which we don't typically get, you know, but the Imagineering story, you have that incredible full footage. But what I love about it, Lou, is how you're able to see the incredible passion that the Imagineers have. You know, I think it's it's easy, sure, to have passion when you're creating and building the magic, but seeing the array of emotions that all of these Imagineers have, um, it's just so, so, so awesome. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret, uh, Lou. I actually, uh, this was the first, this was the second thing I watched on Disney+. Plus. The first thing I watched with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I wanted to go all the way back to nice. the beginning, but I also, I'm a former cast member. I worked on the Seven Dwarfs Mind Train in Magic Kingdom, so I had that little tie-in. This was the second thing, but I have not watched the final episode. <gasps> stop the recording and stop. We'll watch it together like Mystery Science. Oh, my. How? That's I mean, I, a new first show. Of all, yeah. First of all, I dig the fact that you went back and watched, and I should have asked you this first. Like, you know, what was sort of the first thing that you watched? Um, but I was so excited to get into this. Yeah, what was sort of the first thing that you watched? Um, and, and we'll 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 come full circle on that in a second because one, I, I'm I'm surprised you have the fortitude and the discipline not to do it because when one episode was over. It was sort of like this cliffhanger and I and this this serialized um, uh, way that they did it made me want the next episode so much more. And you hit on a word that surprised me about it. this show, the feelings and the emotions that this show pulled out on me. I am. Look, I know I'm, you know, I'm going through menopause or something weird. I'm crying at everything lately. Like I was like I was absolutely shedding a tear during some of these episodes. I'm not going through menopause just yet, but uh, I'm a big, strong, <laughs> tough guy. But uh, there was one episode in particular where I was I was not well. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, and it, it had to do with with Tokyo Disneyland. And I think when you get to that episode, you know, You'll, you'll understand, especially for someone like us, Lou, who it's hard to describe to our friends, you know, why we're so enamored, why we're so connected to the theme parks. But that episode does such a great job of illustrating, you know, the passion, the emotions that fans, that cast members have about this place. And I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it. It's awesome. But, you know, the reason I haven't watched the final episode is because, yes, it starts at the very, very beginning of this series with, you know, Disneyland, but it goes all the way up till today. And I caught a couple tweets about the final episode basically saying <laughs> it's got a whole lot of spoilers about Rise of the Resistance. I, unfortunately, have not seen Rise of the Resistance. I've not been on Rise of the Resistance yet, I should say. So all I can say is I'm so proud of myself for holding out as long as I have, but Oh, I'm going to crack very, very. <laughs> don't do it. Now that I know the backstory, don't do it. Um, I, I applaud you because I'm very much the same way. I want to see things with my own eyes first. And I absolutely think that Rise of Resistance is one that you need to experience 
with your phone in your pocket and just taking it all in uh, because it is, it, it's an overwhelming um, experience, especially the first time you ride. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. Not, you know, going in cold, as cold as I can. As well, you should. Uh, and, and look, we can do an entire show about this show because it was so well done. It was such um it was more than just like a documentary about the parks and cruise lines, both domestically and like you said, internationally, but there, there are, are heartfelt stories in there as well. And it, it did make me understand a lot of things more and seeing that archival footage and, and hearing from the executives and the Imagineers um, really, really just such a well, I can't say it enough, well-produced uh, series that, like you said, makes you want more. It's Ken Burns couldn't hold a candle to this. There, I said it. I'm coming out. I'm, it's a family story too. You know, you and hear about yeah. all. And we watch it as a family. We watch this together. Um, you know, again, accessible enough for kids. My kids are, are 14 and 16, but I think you know, even a little bit younger, I think kids can certainly watch this um, and understand it and, and appreciate it as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And and kind of piggybacking off of that, I don't know if this one was on your list, but uh, one day at Disney has a lot of really, really good stuff, especially for the parks. I, I think you might have talked about it before, Lou, but you know, one day at Disney has that kind of hour-long documentary where they go around following a lot of cast members and people like that. But during um, 2020, what they're doing is every Friday, they're releasing a one-day-at-Disney short, which means they're just following around one particular cast member. Uh, they could work in animation they could work in imagineering you know sage steels on there she's a sports center anchor bob Iger is on there i love all of these shorts because they're super quick and you're able to see you know just how big disney actually is but i love seeing those cast members working in the theme parks and the unique ones like you know they talk to uh, a um a railroad conductor. I think it, I think they are at, at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk to people working on the Tricircle D Ranch. And then my favorite one personally that I've seen is the scuba diving maintenance cast <laughs> member. The waters of the Jungle Cruise and uh, uh, Finding Nemo submarines out in Disneyland. Um, but it's just really cool to see all those people from different walks of life working for Disney. Yeah, and I love the. I, I like this for a lot of different reasons, right? So first, let's take a step back. One day at Disney is really the, the title is applicable to not just this series, but two other um, sort of connected pieces of content. There's the big and beautiful coffee table book, which they announced at D23 Expo. There's this 52 part short form series, and there's also the feature length documentary and in addition to things that you could find in the parks there's marvel executives imagineer pixar robin roberts is a a beautiful story uh from good morning america but what i like about these two is you know again it's the walt quote about people you know making the dream a reality and getting to see just what life is like as a cast member and hearing their personal stories behind it as well like you said there's you mentioned and uh jungle cruise there's somebody there's an imaginary who works on some of the droids at galaxy's edge uh a veterinarian at disney's animal kingdom i'm trying to highlight some of the park related ones uh there's an attraction host at the mark twain riverboat and one of my favorite ones and i am surprised they showed as much as they did they 
we are going to only assume, because if you look around my room, there's a lot of Spider-Man stuff, we're only going to assume it is some sort of a test figure for a Spider-Man animatronic that's going to be coming to Avengers Campus later on this year in Disneyland. Yeah, you can either have two emotions when you watch that episode. Very, very excited or terrified for your life because the robots are coming. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but it is cool just to see how many different types of people there are working for Disney and things like that. Um, but, you know, Lou, you mentioned some great ones, but the cool part about all this is we still have, you know, six more months of one day at Disney shorts coming. So we don't know, you know, the sky's the limit really with, with who else they're going to profile on these things. You know, as, as I was watching it again, watching some of the episodes with my kids, you know, I, I try and view these things from many different lenses, not just me as a Disney enthusiast or, you know, from the show perspective, but from a parent's perspective. And I say, you know, this, these are wonderful because it allows kids really any age to see that working at a Disney park does not necessarily mean you're a ride operator, you're, you know, uh, working in a restaurant, you're working in, you know, custodial. There are, you know, thousands of different disciplines and jobs that you can take or start off as an intern with at the Disney company that can lead you to, you know, places you might not have dreamed before. Um, and I think that's part of the beauty of it, too, is, is seeing the full spectrum of the many different roles that cast members have throughout the company. Yeah, the sky's the limit. The sky is the limit. So quickly, before we move forward, let's take a step back. So you mentioned that you were a cast member. I got, again, I was so excited. Like, I didn't even, like, talk to you about your backstory. Tell us quickly, you know, the, uh, the, the Connor Brown story. So I like to say I was born with Disney in my blood and in many ways I was, you know, my mom did the Disney college program back in the day, actually. Um, she'd probably regret me saying back in the day, but that's not the point. <laughs> she worked on the Wedway People Mover oh, I love it. Kingdom, which is so cool. And once we were down there one year and she told me that she worked there, I was like, I got to do this. I have to do this. And I was able to participate in the Disney college program as well. After I graduated from college, I worked front desk at the yacht and beach club resort. That was super, super cool. And then I actually extended my program and I got to work at the seven dwarfs mine train in magic kingdom. And, you know, watching one day at Disney Lou, in a lot of ways I can relate to these people because one day I was working at the, you know, kind of quiet front desk of the yacht and beach club resort and then literally a week later, I was working at the busiest, you know, attraction <laughs> in the busiest theme park in the entire world. So even though they're only two miles away in Walt Disney World, it was completely different. So I basically worked in Walt Disney World for a year. I absolutely loved it. Moved back up to Maryland, but I still wanted to share my passion of Disney with my uh, with friends, with family, with anyone who would want to listen to me ramble. So that's why I started WDW Opinion, because when I was down there, I actually realized like there are so many people that come here that just don't know what Disney world is all about. They don't know, you know, the cool things to see. They don't know how to navigate the parks. Well, they don't know the history of it. So I wanted to create a place where people could share Disney opinions so that others could plan for, and then obviously daydream about their next perfect Walt Disney world vacation. So that's what I do. And I, I love it. Well, what I dig about what you do, too, is you come from it from from two different angles, right? You come from a, a passionate fan perspective and you also come at it from you come at it from a former 
Walt Disney World cast member perspective. So you've seen it literally from, you know, on stage and backstage. And I think you bring a, a unique point of view by being able to do that. Yeah. And one thing that people always worry about who are going to go work for Disney or if they have, you know, thoughts of working for Disney is that that's going to ruin the magic for them. And for me, it hasn't. The only thing, you know, working for Disney has changed for me is I'm more passionate about the place than ever. And I care about the cast members more than I ever did. I think, you know, cast members are the reason this place works. Seeing stuff like the Imagineering story, seeing stuff like one day at Disney, maybe you're able to relate if you never were a cast member. But I just love, you know, giving back to cast members, appreciating them and people. When these parks open, you know, I don't think we're allowed to hug a cast member. Not yet, but <laughs> a thumbs up. Tell them they're truly, truly appreciated. I know they will really, really love that. Yeah, and and I'm with you 110. percent um, You know, my my gratitude and appreciation for the cast members uh, only continues to grow year after year, especially now. I think more than ever. But um, all right. So speaking of cast members and some of the different roles um, that they play, let's we can move on to one of the next ones on Disney Plus, uh, which is Disney Insider. Um, which, you know, when I heard the name, you almost didn't really know what it was. And Disney described it as a, you know, peeling back the curtain of the company like never before, taking viewers behind the movies, parks, destinations, music, toys and more, telling three different unique stories that capture the magical moments and heartfelt stories of Disney on a week to week basis. So, again, you know, small, easily consumable segments that really do you know look this is disney plus it's not just about the theme parks it really does take you to every single aspect of the company from aulani with katie perry and grace vanderwall from um, an upcoming drama called star girl uh, producers from pixar and and the process of developing onward Backstage at Animal Kingdom, learning a little bit about, you know, Shanghai. Um, you might have heard of somebody by the name of Joe Rohde, who takes a, a look at things as well. So it's a really sort of wider look at the, the company as a whole. And a recent episode that I really enjoyed that I think does a good, uh, you know, example of showing just the breadth of each episode is it started with the Walt Disney World Marathon, you know, the one that just happened uh, back in January. It showed them setting up on race day. It showed the president of Walt Disney uh, or of Disney running, I should say. Uh, They're talking to him. They were talking to people participating in the marathon. And then the middle segment was talking to employees about Sorcerer's Arena, which is a new video game that people could play. So that's another component of the Disney company. And then it wrapped up with a walkthrough of the traveling exhibit that's celebrating the Walt Disney archives 50th anniversary. And this is an exhibit that it's really the first exhibit that they've ever decided to pick up and move every few months. And they're going to do it kind of around the world, but it was really cool because you get to see a lot of cool props from the Disney archives, but they're also interviewing Becky Klein, the director of the Disney archives. And she's awesome. So those very three Three very, very different areas of the company, but you're up to date with what's going on in those realms because these come out pretty much every week as well. And what I like too, you know, we talk about how Disney Plus is a is this um, wonderful pool of discovery. I think you can do that even here. You might tune into an episode because maybe the marathon is, is of interest to you. And next thing you know, you're learning about other parts of the company that you might not have been 
tuned into as well. Look, we we have a running team at WW Radio. I know basically everybody who's on that team after this aired was basically trying to fast forward like frame by frame to see if they were in like any of the uh the shots from the uh the last Walt Disney World Marathon. I used to do that on YouTube videos at the Seven Doors Mine Train. <laughs> right. oh, gosh, please don't, please don't do that. Please don't go on there. Um, you know what's interesting? Something just clicked for me when we were talking about Disney Insider. This is the first streaming platform that is for fans in a way, if you think about it. You know, you're not going to get insider looks from HBO uh, now, Max, Go, whatever platform they're talking about. You're not going to get insider looks really from Netflix or even from Hulu, but from Disney, you're going to get these things like Disney Insider or even, you know, like one day at Disney that showcase what's going on in the company because we crazy Disney fans, we want to know what's going on. We want to know what's going on behind the scenes. So that's another great reason for Disney Plus. It's for the fans. Yeah, you, you used the term love letter before, and I think it absolutely is. Look, you know, giving people the content in terms of, the movies from the archives and things like that is wonderful, but you're right. It is, it is, and are these, these behind the scenes looks and sort of very personal. And we'll get to some of the other ones too. looks at the company, um, that, that gives us as fans, um, a view inside that we really hadn't gotten to before. And I think that's been part of the company's, um, philosophy i think really since they started d23 i think that was really the first time that they realized that they wanted to give guests and fans a little bit more of a deeper look as to you know the how the where the when the why and the history yeah i don't know if you know if you are a d23 member you get that really cool uh uh uh, magazine every quarter for disney insider i'd basically say that it's that magazine but you just get it pretty much every single week. And they do such a good job with that magazine, keeping people up to date, really great photography. Disney Insider is the same way. It's just it's just a video. You know, it's it's a moving uh, magazine in a way. So the, the next one on my list is is one I, I, I like I wanted to put first. Um, and, I, and I know there's plenty of other ones that are going to talk specifically about the parks. But I have to get to this one for a variety of reasons, including one that's personal. I, I've been, I was waiting for this to make its debut on on Disney Plus, which it did relatively recently, and it's called The Boys: The Sherman Brothers Story. Um, and if you if you've listened to the show before, you know of my love of Richard and Robert Sherman. Um, I actually spoke to the Shermans last week. Um, it was Richard's ninety second birthday. The man is a machine. He is still going strong and composing, and it just a, he's a wonderful person. Uh, and this was originally um, this documentary came out in two thousand nine, and it was directed and produced by the by the Sherman brothers' sons, and executive produced by Ben Stiller. Like, yeah. That Ben Stiller, like Zoolander, Ben Stiller. Oh, jinx! I was just Zoolander. Um, it is such a, a beautiful, moving, very, very moving and, and emotional story um, uh, about the relationship between Richard and Robert Sherman. That while it produced countless um, amazing pieces of work for screen and stage 
their relationship, their their personal relationship, um, was not always as as beautiful as the the result of their their working relationship. Um, you really get a look at not just their story and journey as to their early beginnings, who their father was, um, Al Sherman, and then how they came to work for and with Walt Disney, and then the processes of of creating songs for Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Jungle Book and the theme park attractions. And it's a small, I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. Um, But more importantly, it's a look uh, into their into their personal lives, uh, and there are some there are some sad moments um, that you really feel for these brothers. That again, we're we're creating such beautiful works and music, but we're not necessarily able to resolve um, their personal relationships. As Disney fans, and as the the dedicated Disney fans, we are. I think we need to be comfortable with watching the difficult moments, the the moments of it's not always magic when the magic is being created, but in many, many ways, they're important for the process. You know, unfortunately, you know, people have arguments, they, they, you know, butt heads and things like that. But we also know, you know, Walt kind of liked when people butt heads because he saw great things emerge from, from things like that. The boys is, is exactly that with the Sherman Brothers story, but I'm going to add one on as well, and this is more focused on the movies, but it is one of my absolute favorite documentaries, period, and I'm so happy that it's on Disney+. Plus. I absolutely love Waking Sleeping Beauty by Don Hahn. He was the producer, the director, the narrator on it. It's all about the Disney renaissance, right? The time period where... Disney, you know, animation department is not doing well. They weren't producing many great hits, but then all of a sudden, you know, a force of nature, Michael Eisner came in, Katzenberg came in, Frank Wells came in, and then all this talent at Disney animation started to really kick it in high gear. And you had the little mermaid, you had, you know, the lion King beauty and the beast Aladdin, all of these absolutely incredible stories and movies that were told, but you know, in Waking Sleeping Beauty, you see the tough times too, the, the turmoil, the tense relationships the executives had, the animators had with the executives as well. At some t- some points, it's tough. It's tough to watch. But at others, you realize even with all that turmoil, some incredibly iconic and amazing films came out of that and really saved the company. I don't think the Disney company would be here if it were not for the Disney Renaissance in the 80s and the 90s. You know, I love the fact that it's not just a series of, you know, uh, quote unquote, talking head interviews, but the, the the footage that is in here as well really helps to frame it. And I think you're right. Some of those uh, uncomfortable moments, but you're also going to see a lot and hear from a lot of the people who brought these to life. Tim Burton, John Lasseter, Don Bluth, Ron Clements, John Musker, Steven Spielberg, Alan Menken, Howard Ashman, Tim Rice, Sir Elton John. I mean, so it is a who's who of all of the people that that made this magic during this time, but also seeing some of the people whose names you you may not know 
and some of the difficulties that that they went through. I remember the first time I watched this um, when it first came out, because uh, I, I had known some of the the folks and animators who were affected by a lot of the things that were were going on there, and it was a very personal film for them, just as as it was for Don, which is I think the reason why he made it. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. It's incredible because you kind of forget that all of those hits were made, you know, back to back to back to back. And even before that, there were no hits and stuff like that. It's, it's one of those places, you know, it, it just right time, right place. And you really grow to appreciate, you know, it's easy to say Walt Disney is a genius, right? But what I think we often forget is Walt Disney was also great at hiring the right people. And he did that early in in his time. You know, he hired the right animators, the right directors, the right, you know, he shifted over the right people from animation to Imagineering to help him build the theme parks. And I think even though the company bears him his name and he deserves so much of pretty much all of it, you know, why the company was started. But after that period, we have to give credit to the people that kept it going. You know, those unsung heroes in the animation department the producers, even the executives, they're the real reason that the the company continues to produce these great iconic films that are really meaningful for for a lot of people. So I love Waking Sleeping Beauty. I know Don Hahn, he's got another one he's producing that's going to be coming to Disney+. Plus. It's all, it's going to be about Howard Ashman. He was the um, songwriter uh, for things like uh, Little Mermaid, um, uh, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, also Little Shop of Horrors on uh, Broadway, but he he's a true genius and uh, in many ways an unsung hero. And I can't wait for uh, for that documentary to come out as well. And obviously this this film, you know, although not necessarily about the theme parks per se, connects because so many of these films and their music can be found throughout uh, the, the theme parks, both in world as well as in uh, in Disneyland, which maybe it's a good segue to the next one on my list, which is Disneyland around the seasons. Oh, and you're stealing all of my picks. Mangello. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't, I felt that these probably weren't ones that were picks. I just figured, you know, we have the exact same ones on our list. Um, and, you know, this is another one that is, was not necessarily created for Disney plus Disneyland around the season aired uh, on NBC back in December of 1966 and if actually specifically December 18th and that date is significant because Walt Disney had passed away just three days earlier on December 15th obviously Walt was you know the host of the Disneyland television show since the very beginning um, and and this was really the first time it was going to be shown without um, you know since Walt had passed Um, and actually in the original airing they, there was a little tribute uh, by Dick Van Dyke and a TV news anchor uh, Chet Huntley, uh, which did not make it into the Disney Plus version of it. But what this show does is it it Walt takes us sort of on this personal tour, as he did quite often, of Disneyland to point out some of the new additions to the park, like New Orleans Square, It's a Small World, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, um, it's about the season, so he shows off some of the holiday traditions like the Fantasy on Parade and the new uh, nighttime candlelight processional. Again, part of the reason why I love this is because it's Walt, and I just you know love Walt. I love seeing the restored footage from uh, the, the TV show and how they were able to, to 
put this together into this single episode. I think we need all the Disneyland TV series things on Disney Plus. You know, I'm craving it. Anytime you could see old school footage with Walt himself as the narrator taking you on these stories, I'm game, man. I am yeah. game. You know, going forward, I would love to see more things from the Disneyland TV series. I'd love to see the Epcot film put put up there. I know you can probably get on YouTube and stuff, but um, I would totally, totally, totally love that. I just learned something. Uh, I actually just learned what the name of my first uh, child will be. Chet Huntley right there. That's a million dollars. Right Boy so, or girl, it's Chet Huntley all the way. You know, one part of the reason why I like this and, and some of the other films that you're talking about is because I love seeing the way the parks used to be, right? So many of the the attractions that we go there now and are familiar with were not there in the 60s. And also watch, too, just from a filmmaking perspective, meaning watch how the shows were filmed versus what we see today on, you know, the, the Walt Disney World Christmas Day Parade special, how close the cameras were. Uh, it seemed like they just sort of had free roam and free reign to go anywhere they wanted. Um, and I think this show touches on our sense of nostalgia, um, seeing what it would have been like. And I think for some people that watched this when it first came out in the mid-60s, it's probably going to be a, a wonderful look back at something that they remembered from their child or adulthood. I want to know the first person who's responsible for photo bombing. And I want to go back and <laughs> have a word with them. Because these sorts of things, no one photobombs the camera. You know, they're just going about it. They're not, oh, look at camera, you know, stuff like that. They're they're just existing in Disneyland, which I think that's just as cool to see how people were interacting with the park on top of seeing Walt, on top of seeing what it looked like on the attractions that are no longer there, seeing how, you know, people dressed up, obviously, mm-hmm. dapper day sort of yeah. thing that that makes sense uh, once you start watching these these things. But um just seeing the production and stuff is is so, so, so cool. And we often forget with every new thing that comes, you know, with Galaxy's Edge, with Toy Story Land, with so much new stuff that we have coming to Walt Disney World, especially, we forget how long these Disney parks have, have been around, you know, how many generations they've had an impact on. So watching stuff like Disneyland around the seasons, uh, is a good way to remind yourself of, wow, these things have been an institution for quite a while. Yeah, and like you said, you're not going to see many people taking selfies with the cupcake of the month and, you know, 13-year-old girls doing TikTok videos behind. <laughs> so, so. You tread lightly on TikTok, my <laughs> You know I'm famous over there. <laughs> so, yeah, Disneyland Around the Seasons um, is definitely one that should be on your um, that should be on your radar connecting you to the parks. Uh, I'm going to bounce back to Walt Disney World um, and if you have ever you know we talk about the parks being places of fairy tales and, and dreams coming true. Uh, Disney fairy tale weddings is not one, not two, but three. Count them three different ways to find out what it would be like to plan and have your wedding in Disney because it was a Disney fairy tale wedding special from 2017, which was a full length look at some of the different options for planning a wedding at Disney from fashion to flowers to locations to cruise line. 
if you can dream it and pay for it, Disney can make it happen. There was also the multi-part series of uh, about 45 minutes or so episodes that follow different couples along their journey to plan their wedding. And then there's also a separate Disney fairy tale weddings holiday magic special. So if you like weddings and Disney, you've got your Saturday night planned out for you. Only problem, you know, where's the open bar? Not in my apartment. <laughs> Disney, I don't realize how big of a hit this is. This was going to be, but kudos to them because when it first started coming on, on free form, uh, uh, formerly ABC family, RIP, when it first started coming out there, uh, people really, really, really liked it. So kudos to Disney to, you know, keep giving the people what they want with these fairy tale weddings and then also putting it on Disney Plus uh, relatively soon once the platform launched. But kind of piggybacking off of that, still in Disney World for the most part, um, uh, but around the same time, we have Decorating Disney Holiday Magic, which I think originally aired on either ABC or Freeform around 2017. Obviously, if you've been to Disney World or any of the Disney parks during the holidays, the Christmas holidays in particular, it's completely transformed. It's like you're stepping into new theme parks. It's my favorite time of the year, not just because it's not stupid hot out, it's moderately hot out when you go there, but I love seeing all of those decorations. And this special decorating Disney holiday magic, you get to see all the work that goes into it because you know not it it seems like it's something where one day it's halloween decorations and the next it's holiday decorations christmas decorations and that's true for you know the person who isn't working there but there are so many people who work year round to maintain the decorations who you you know are buying new decorations who are planning for the years uh to come and um, when I was a cast member at Magic Kingdom, there are a bunch of uh, uh, warehouses and shops behind the Magic Kingdom. And one of the biggest buildings I've ever seen in my life just says the holiday shops. And it's filled with all of the decorations from around Walt Disney property that they put in there when they aren't being displayed. So, you know, getting able to see, you know, those holiday magic things and decorating Disney, it's just a really cool special. Yeah, and I've had a chance to uh, go and visit that building. Actually, if you take, I think if you do Keys to the Kingdom, well, there's a couple different tours, a couple different backstage tours. Uh, Keys to the Kingdom doesn't take you. I think Backstage Magic takes you there. And I think there's also a holiday tour that you can take um, that will take you. It is a mind-blowing. Like, if you love Christmas or the holidays, this is your nirvana. Uh, It is absolutely staggering the number of Christmas decorations and how it really is a, you know, 365 day a year process to get ready for, you know, execute and then break down the holidays at Walt Disney World. Actually, I I know I did an interview for the show years ago um, with, with the, the, the head of the of the building. I'll, I'll try and link to it in the show notes uh, where you can just search for it in iTunes. But it was a uh, it was a fascinating look at how it's done. Uh, one of the things I liked about this was there's one section that talks about um, the Haunted Mansion holiday overlay in Disneyland. I have tried my 
wrapping myself around Nightmare Before Christmas. I can't really do it, but for some reason, I love the Haunted Mansion holiday in Disneyland so very much. Not just because of how good it smells there and all the Christmas food that you can get outside. Well, I mean, it's the food. <laughs> I don't know why you're lying to us. It's the food. It's always the food. Uh, it's always the food. It's always the food. So much. It's a full-time job decorating Disney. You know, the holidays start super early at Disney World, but they last just as long when it comes to the planning and operation of that. So I love that. I love yeah. that a lot. Lou, this one might be a little bit of a go with me here on this, but I'm going to try to tie it into the theme parks as well. True Life Adventures. You can find them on Disney+. Plus. If you don't know what these are, these are nature documentaries that pretty much started out as short films, you know, 30 minutes or so, but they started all the way back in 1950. And for the most part, the True Life Adventures, they went through 1960. Well, on Disney+, Plus, you can get these short ones that are in Beaver Valley, Nature's Half Acre, The Olympic Elk, Waterbirds, Prowlers of the Everglades, and then they have features, which are, you know, an hour, hour and a half long, and they have ones on Disney+, Plus, including The Living Desert, The Vanishing Prairie, The African Lion, Secrets of Life, Perry, Perry is about a uh, mischievous squirrel, and Jungle Cat. These are cool because it, for me, it's incredible just how good the cinematography was way back when, in the 50s and the 60s, to capture things like the African lion, you know, the, the the animals of the prairie in America. And before the African lion feature, I know it actually started, this film took three years to make and it came out in like 1954. So it, it's just crazy to me uh, uh, the fact that Walt Disney himself had, you know, the ambition and the idea to say, hey, let's send some filmmakers out there. Let's do these true life adventures of what we're going to call them. But coming back to the theme parks, Places like Adventureland, they're really themed after these true life adventure features. You know, whether it's, um, you can definitely see, you know, the African lion and jungle cat within Adventureland in Walt Disney World. And those true life adventures, it's really, Adventureland is a way for the guests to have their own true life adventures anytime they step into the theme parks. I agree with everything you said, um, and I think this is one that would often probably be overlooked by people. But I think one of the things I love about True Life Adventures, again, is that is is it the connection to Walt and his love of animals? Um, I think if you are familiar with and if you like the Disney Nature series, um, this is very much sort of the, the early incarnation of that. And I think that you're right. And, and as we go through later on, there are ones that I, I was sort of pulling out that will specifically tie into some of the different parks as well. But but I agree, too, you almost forget that these were made as early as they were, going back to the late 40s, early 50s in terms of the, the quality. And some of them are really funny, too. I think kids, um, especially if your kids love animals, I think your kids would really enjoy these, too. And don't be turned off because they do have the Disney nature films or they have all the National Geographic films on Disney Plus. Those are still incredible. Those are all in super 5K, 10K, whatever IP, uh, you know, H definition on your TV, on your tubes. You can watch them. But go back to True Life Adventures, not because they're shot in super HD, but because of the storytelling and put yourself 
in those filmmaker shoes way back when in the 50s and 60s. So you mentioned that it was all about the food. So I'm going to jump to another one that uh, will connect you to the theme parks. Because look, some of the best ways to learn about a place and to truly experience it is to just eat your way through it. And uh, it should come as no surprise that Be Our Chef is a show um, where it's it has the it's part game show, part, you know, fa- where families come together and they are challenged to recreate or create on their own dishes that are inspired by the magic of the Disney parks and the Disney films. Uh, each episode is hosted by Angela Kinsey, who is from The Office. Uh, and it's sort of this cook-off type challenge using... What I like is that they integrate their own family traditions and skills while trying to also bring in some of that Disney magic. So two families compete each week and then the two families that have the most wins after X number of weeks will compete against each other in like a no holds barred barred cage match to win a grand prize, which is um, a cruise. And I, I believe their dish also will become a signature dish or treat that will be served at the Walt Disney world resort. I'm excited to see, uh, what these children come up with two families enter one family leaves uh, the other children are subjected to it's a small world for the rest of their lives unfortunately it is a very really really cool concept especially because you know you hear all the time about the disney food labs like mm-hmm. what they're going to come up with next and every time i hear of a new cupcake or a new dish or whatever i have two thoughts my first thought is that sounds incredible or my second thought is how did they come up with that how did they come up <laughs> So peeling back uh, uh, the curtain behind that, and I think it's judged by Angela from The Office, but there's always like a Disney chef in right. too, right? I think sometimes there's one, for that, the head chef from Epcot, a, a couple of the other chef food Chef Greg, lounge. yeah. Chef Greg is there. I've seen him a couple of times. He's always there at Food and Wine Festival too. So it's, you, sometimes you'll see familiar faces that you'll wa- find on the promenade at Epcot. Yeah, so it's cool. And, and you know, those ways to, we're going to see, we're going to see it all the time because Disney they're masters of synergy, right? We're going to see more in the park sort of, uh, 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 things on Disney plus that are going to be, you know, featuring the parks, but then we're going to see them later enhance the parks in some ways, you know, it's going to be kind of like, like a pirates of the Caribbean kind of thing, you know, the, the, the attraction influenced the films and then the films reversed and influenced the attraction again. I think this is what we're going to start to see with Disney plus as well. Things that we're seeing on Disney plus we're going to start seeing in the theme parks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think there's a great opportunity to create content that will, you know, serve as not just attractors, but they are, you know, advertisements without actually being, you know, running an ad. And, and the one thing about this show is, is it definitely is geared towards families. I think to watch together. Um, a lot of times the kids are relatively young, anywhere from maybe, you know, seven to 12 or 15. So it is sort of that idea, I think, of sitting around, you know, the living room TV and watching together, which my family has done. Um, you know, we started watching one episode and, you know, there was parts of it that were kind of goofy, but next thing you know, we're like, oh, there's a new episode this week. And we're like, we're having dinner and we're watching Be Our Chef and following the different families along and seeing how creative they get. So it's just, it's very, very lighthearted. 
A lot of fun. Uh, not necessarily something where you can create this at home, but it might inspire you and your family, especially now when we're sort of locked in together, to say, hey, let's have a Disney, you know, themed meal night and recreate, you know, Epcot around the world or um, uh, dishes inspired by our favorite Disney Plus film. Just wait for the Gordon Ramsay episode. He comes in and he <laughs> lets those kids have it. He does not let up. It is aggressive. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, not right. every listen. Not everybody goes home a winner in this one. So, so there is, a, you know, look. It's not a very high tension, high drama, you know, kind of thing. But it, it it's definitely very lighthearted fun. I like it, and you know, family friendly, always good. One for me that I think it doesn't get overlooked, but I think now, especially with the debut of, I mean, it was open for a couple of days, and then the world shut down. Of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in Hollywood Studios and you know in a couple of years it's also going to come to Disneyland as well i think people really have to have to get acquainted with uh, uh the new mickey mouse cartoon and i say new because i think the first you know iteration of of mickey uh in this new look came out around 2014 something like that but if you go to disney plus and you type you know, you click the search icon, the magnifying glass. I love one thing here. They have all these different collections, right? They have the Skywalker collection. They have the Darth Vader collection. They have the Marvel. They have the Spider-Man. They have the Disney Princess collection. But they have one called Mickey Mouse and Friends collection. And it's filled with old school shorts, you know, Steamboat Willie, shorts through the ages. They have ones with, you know, a, go a goofy movie will be in there. Donald Duck uh, uh, cartoons are going to be in there. But then they have this new style of Mickey Mouse that has started since 2014. And they're really, really, really funny shorts. There's a few seasons of them. Um, I highly recommend just putting them on, keep them running. Really, really creative, really, really fun. But what that's also going to do is going to introduce you to the types of Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Goofy, Donald, Pluto that you're going to see in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. They might look a little off, a little different and the Mickey you know and love, but I, I, I assure you, they're absolutely hilarious. And, uh, you know, Potato Land all the potato way. <laughs> yeah, Potato Land is definitely the the connecting, uh, the connective tissue there uh, as it pays tribute to a lot of iconic Disney Parks attractions. And you might see a reference to Potato Land when you get to ride Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway again or for the first time if you haven't had a chance well, there's always it. a reference when i eat a bag of uh, uh potato chips or friends <laughs> every disney i get ridiculed a lot but they can't stop me so one that i that i have to include although it's not necessarily one that is directed to a story about the parks um and, and it's a movie it is not a, a documentary and it's saving mr banks um, and I included it. It's it's a 2013 film, obviously, with Tom Hanks uh, playing Walt Disney. Talk about pressure. Um, and Emma Thompson is P.L. Travers. And it really is about the story of how Mary Poppins, the film, came to be and the <clears throat> interesting dynamic and relationship between Disney and Travers. But there are scenes early on in the film or later on in the film that show Walt uh, taking Travers on a tour of Disneyland uh, again in that same t type of um, early time frame. So um, when I was thinking about ones films that would um, 
either took place in the parks or had a reference to the parks. And I liked Saving Mr. Banks a lot. And again, going back to my love of the Shermans, um, seeing the, the 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 presentation of the young Shermans, not just crafting the movie, the music, but the relationship uh, with them and Walt and, and Travers as well uh, really makes this a definite must see. God bless those people that made that film. My goodness. What, <laughs> what a journey they went on, you know, <laughs> let alone how incredibly difficult it was to make just from a, a technical perspective, coming up with those iconic songs, you know, combining all the animation, you know, the penguin scene and, and things like that. But then obviously, you know, having to work through all of that with, travelers uh who did you know the original mary poppins uh uh books that walt disney's daughters loved so much i love it too and you know anytime i can see paul giamatti holding a gigantic <laughs> mickey mouse uh stuffed mickey mouse uh, in disneyland i'm game i'm game and, and you know i think i can say this i think it's okay so again I, i've known richard and his wife for years and we talked about the film at some point and and i think they've said publicly so it's okay that you know as as tough as this film made Travers out to be, she was, in their words, a, a much uh, much more difficult person <laughs> to deal with um, in, in real life, and and it's almost a, it's a miracle that the movie got made at all. Yeah, I think the the ending, from what I've been led to believe, it's very you know peaceful, nice, and things like that. But I think even then. Yell travelers, you know, had a few choice words for for. Um, oh yeah, she came out of the premiere like, okay, uh, I have notes, and Walt's like, uh, no, we're done. Like, we're done here. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is that's not how it works. This is this is not like a screening. This is we're we're, we're this is the thing that's going out to um to the, to theaters. Yeah, I don't know how they got Dick Van Dyke's accent past her, but good on them. <laughs> I think they just stopped showing her at some point, and we're like, oh, we've got sure. enough approval to just keep going. Yeah, and if you know, if we want to combine uh, uh, saving Mister Banks into something that you've recently talked about on the show, Lou, prop culture, you know, with Dan Lanigan. I mean, first episode is all about Mary Poppins, but for me, I love this. Is this is a somewhat controversial opinion. My favorite theme park is actually Hollywood studios. I've always loved it. Um, I, I think it's because on our trips, my mom would explain to me that Hollywood studios is always the last park we visited. So it was always the freshest in my mind growing up and things like that. But watching prop culture, it reminded me of, you know, when they used to have uh, a catastrophe Canyon, uh, um, you know, the backlot tour, going through those those sets, seeing, you know, uh, as you went through the line as well, you know, you got to see props from different films and things like that. And really, I mean, that whole area of, of you know, Streets of America was just props here and there and, and all over the place. So there's so many cool things in prop culture. And every once in a while, you know, you'll see the Muppets or Pirates of the Caribbean or Mary Poppins, and somehow it'll trigger a memory in my head that reverts me back to the theme parks as well. Yeah. And I, I had a chance to interview Dan Lanigan, who was the creator and host back on show 586. And, you know, I've, I've said many times I, I loved prop culture was a huge, pleasant surprise for me, um, far exceeded my expectations. And again, I found myself there are emotional moments in there because it's not just showing the props. It it really is a show about the people behind them, whether it be the actors or um, I love the fact that they brought out 
many of the people who helped to craft and create those props, people whose names and faces you might never have heard or seen otherwise. It's just nice knowing that there's other people out there, celebrities included, crying over snow globes, and it's not just me. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, and and the way I started to to approach the, the next part of my list was I found myself sort of piecing like, this makes me think of this, or I would think of a land and, and it would make me think of some of the different movies. So I started to think about some of the movies and shows to watch to directly connect you to the parks. And I thought about going through it sort of park by park, land by land, unless you have something that sort of falls outside of that approach. We can just start, you know, walking right down the middle of Main Street USA and, and hitting it that way. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. So. For me, again, we mentioned things like uh, Disneyland around the seasons um, where you can see what places like Main Street would look like, um, you know, in the the 50s and 60s. But there's a couple of other ones, too, that I think you can watch to make the Main Street connection. So Lady and the Tramp, you could obviously not only find the paw prints, but you can find the hat box. Um, and I, when I say Lady and the Tramp, I mean the animated. There's also the live action version. Uh, certainly Mary Poppins, uh, Pollyanna. I wish, I wish, I wish, because I actually just watched it. Summer, Summer Magic is not on Disney+. Plus. It's worth the $3 rental on uh, Apple TV because from the, the second the first 10 seconds of the opening you are on and you are hearing main street USA. And let's also not forget, you know, who's the proprietor of the Emporium. Osh Popham. And I love Burl Ives. Like I just want to be friends with Burl Ives, not oh, just because yeah. he was frosty, the snowman, but because he's Osh Popham. Yeah. Osh Popham. So great. There's so many little things in uh, uh, main street as well that just remind you of, uh, of something, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, 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 like a summer magic. It doesn't have to take place at that time or whatever. I think it's just the colors and stuff even, even remind me of, of certain things for, for whatever reason. And, um, I love it every once in a while I'll catch a window on main street and I'll remember, you know, the people that, that helped create not just the Disney parks, but the Disney films and, and, and things like that, which, which is really, really cool. Yeah, I think you could also probably, you could maybe throw even in there, and I'll stretch a little bit. You can probably throw in Old Yeller, just because you should watch Old Yeller, even the sad parts, just because of the time frame. This takes place, you know, late 1860s, early 1870s, somewhere. There's also another, um, it's a movie called America's Heart and Soul from about 2004, and while it doesn't take place during the time of Main Street, I think it sort of follows along in that same vein of, you know, the lives of American dreamers in the heartland and some of the inspiring stories, which I think is what Main Street USA and the Osh Popham story and all that was is really supposed to um, embody as well. And we obviously know, you know. Well, it's a true American, no doubt about it. So any of those turn of the century films, I think are just, are just fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Which way we want to go, Montreal? You want to go right? There's only one to- way to go. You have to go to Adventureland next. Okay. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> you can't no, ride Space Mountain first thing in the morning. You got to go and make you, it, listen, there's a whole, next time you come down, 
We're going to do the walk this way because I have it all planned out. So you hit certain snack and dining locations just at the right time of day. Yeah. Uh, uh, I once wrote uh, Space Mountain first in the morning. Well, it was after a buffet at the Crystal Palace. Let's just say people were upset with me after that. (laughs) And that's another story for another day. Uh, All right. So so uh, films or, or series on Disney Plus that connect you to Adventureland. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean, obviously, you know, it, it just, it, it's so great because Disney has tried so many times uh, uh, on several different occasions to take one of their iconic attractions and make it into a uh, a film, a blockbuster film, right? Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy. We don't really need to bring that up. Uh, uh, Tower of Terror with Steve Gutenberg. Oh, Classic. Need. Come on. It's- <laughs> I, they think they still sell DVD copies. They in do. The- <laughs> Come on, let's, we don't have any DVDs anymore, DVD players. Uh, but, you know, I went back, Lou, and I, I just watched every single Pirates that is on Disney Plus right now. I think one is currently missing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and you'll get that every once in a while. You know, there are other uh, licensing agreements that haven't expired yet. So eventually they'll all be on Disney Plus. And just the ability to watch it from start to finish. I don't think I had ever done that with the Pirates films. And I love the first one so, so, so very much. And, you know, going back to the ride uh, uh, after I watched them all, I just think it's cool just to realize different generations built one thing. But then as someone rode the ride, they got an idea, you know, and, and that idea became a film and a series and and a thing that's really, really just entertained so many different people. Yeah, and I think that there's other ones that are obvious with connections to Adventureland. So Aladdin, both the animated live action. If you want to sit through The King of Thieves and Return to Jafar, go for it. Um, all of the different versions of Lion King, Jungle Book. As you dig a little bit deeper, uh, I also think that you should look at the African Lion from 1955, Jungle Cat from 1960, uh, African Cats, which is a Disney nature film, uh, as long as it was uh, with addition to Chimpanzee, also Disney nature. There's also Lost Cities with Albert Lin. It's a Nat Geo film, uh, a, a Nat Geo series. Really, really, really good. Um, and I'll touch on Nat Geo and how I've recently been turned on some of the beautiful stuff that's there. Uh, there's also Lost Treasures of the Maya. If you haven't watched Swiss Family Robinson, why not? Please go back and and do it. Um, it is, you know, it, it's from the 60s. Obviously, there's a connection to not just the treehouse, but it really makes you feel Adventureland-ish. Uh, Tarzan is going to be on June 23rd. Um, and I think I think we mentioned already Jungle Book and all the prequel sequels, live Equal. action <laughs> Mowgli story yeah. and yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, you know, I don't want to I don't want uh, to get too far down the road, but uh, one of the biggest disappointments for the, me this year was you know Jungle Cruise getting extended until mm-hmm. 2021. Um, I think that that movie is just going to be awesome. You got Dwayne the Rock Johnson, you got Emily Blunt. It's going to be really, really, really good. Um, so I'm excited for that and to see, you know, if we get any pirate sort of things going on with Jungle Cruise as well. 
So the teasers and the trailers, seeing it from two different perspectives, very interesting. Um, really, really smart, uh, creative way to to tease the upcoming film. Um, all right, let's let's walk around and walk through. We'll stop and get something along the way, but we'll also go to Frontierland next. Yes, Frontierland. Um, one film is not on Disney Plus. I think we're uh, well aware of what film is not on Disney Plus, but uh, uh, you know, well, listen, me- listen, don't beat around. You know, Song of the South. Um, again, we, we've talked about it on the show in the past. Clearly, uh, at the time it was made, it was you know. It's not sensitive in in a lot of ways. Uh, It's funny because I think a lot of people ride Splash Mountain and don't even know that there was an associated film with it. Um, I do think and, you know, I think there are some redeeming qualities to the film that I almost wish you can sort of pull out and just watch on their own. Uh, The performances are fantastic. The music is wonderful. And there's some there's some wonderfully redeeming characters and storylines that are throughout. It's unfortunate that it, the rest of it gets lost in the story and the time period, um, you know, in history. But uh, yeah, I, I don't ever expect splash. splash Man, I don't ever expect um, uh, that film song of the South to ever be on Disney plus. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you, you know, in many ways, the characters of splash mountain, Br'er bear, Br'er Fox, Br'er rabbit, Br'er frog, they're, they're their own characters now. Generations of people know them as the Splash Mountain characters. That's how we know them. You know, Splash Mountain is probably my favorite uh, uh, attraction in the park um, next to the next to the People Mover. But I just love the story that it tells within that attraction. Um, like you said, you know, we're never going to get it on Disney Plus, but it's an interesting it's an interesting story i guess of 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 why we we don't have it and and how it influenced the ride and 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 things like that um you know i'm going to tie in splash mountain to the crazy michael eisner story i'm a big michael eisner guy uh especially his crazy crazy and uh crazy stories and things like this splash mountain originally had a different name and mr eisner being as synergistic inclined as he is said, you know who are the two hottest stars in America right now? Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah. We got a great film coming out, Splash, which is awesome. And Splash you can watch on Disney+. And the reason he wanted the name change to Splash Mountain was for some weird synergy (laughs) thing. Because when you think Splash Mountain in Frontierland, you think Daryl Hannah has a mermaid. (laughs) But listen, kudos to Tony Baxter going, okay, Okay, what if we did? What if we took the name, but we made a different theme and, and one that works? You know, obviously, very very well. Um, there's obviously, I think, some some other titles on Disney Plus that are very clearly referenced throughout uh, Frontierland. Davy Crockett, uh, King of the Wild Frontier, and the River Pirates is on there as well. And if you haven't seen some of the great tributes to Davy Crockett inside Pecos Bills. Get yourself a big old honkin' mess of stuff from the Fixins Bar and go look in the back room um, near the Splash Mountain side. Uh, obviously, Pocahontas, uh, Melody Time. Definitely go and check Melody Time. Actually, if you go back to WWE episode number three, like not 300, not 30, 
three, we did a deep look inside of um, Pecos Bills and talk about a lot of the references that you can find there that reference Pecos Bill from Melody Time. Uh, there's also The Adventures of Huck Finn, The Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin, which is also referenced, by the way, on Main Street USA, uh, Tom and Huck, White Fang. Uh, I'm going to stretch a little bit or a lot and say there's a show called Encore um, on Disney Plus. And episode 105 uh, is about Annie Get Your Gun. And episode 106 is Oklahoma, which I think sort of can loosely tie into the Wild West of Frontierland. All right, Mangella, let's sing it. One, two, three. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of things you don't want to hear me sing. The theme song. Uh, you have a better chance of me singing Davy Crockett when we're done recording than you do. You do that too. Davy, um, Davy Crockett. <laughs> that is my favorite. Uh, what is your favorite? Well, we can talk about it. I don't necessarily suggest people watch the country bears. Another, you know, I know not a great uh, representation of an attraction in a theme park, but you know, the country bears is on, I will say hearing stories about how the country bears was made and how it's a lot like dinosaurs, which is another Jim Henson studio production that is coming to Disney plus later this fall. It's really crazy to hear how the puppeteers of those Muppets, because essentially that's, you know, what they were. They worked with the, the Jim Henson company in, in a lot of ways. It's just full body suits that they're wearing with TV <laughs> monitors inside their chest. And for that alone, I think you should watch it and realize there's a human being in there working all the things and and, and going back and forth with that. So. All right, let's keep moving on because otherwise we'll be here because we got lots more parks to get through. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put on double speed a little bit. So let's move over to, Liberty Square, uh, and and the Liberty story is a 1959 episode of the Disneyland TV show that was there to promote the plans for what was going to be Liberty Street at uh, Disneyland that obviously never materialized. But there also is references to Johnny Tremaine, which is referenced there, um, and the 1953 short called Ben and Me, starring Sterling Holloway, by the way, and Amos mm-hmm. the Mouse, um, which... Um, it talks about Ben Franklin and his career. The just for the the few minutes that you get of the preview for Liberty Street is, is alone enough to watch and hear Walt talk about what the inspiration for what that was going to be and what it was going to look and feel like. Yeah, and you know, again, anytime you see Walt in it, I'm game. I'm watching it. I think we have to mention Hamilton is coming on July 3rd. It was originally supposed to come out in October 2021, I believe, and they bumped it up to this year. We could sing some Hamilton songs. I don't even know any. I know. I know. I don't even know any Hamilton songs. My daughter is screaming in the other room as they say that out loud. That's all right. I've seen it. It's incredible. I can't wait to see it with the actual cast, the original cast, Lin-Manuel Miranda from, I think it's the Rogers Theater in New York, but that's going to be awesome when it comes to Disney+. And if you want to watch The Haunted Mansion, just watch it for the scene of the busts singing Grim Grinning Ghosts. Sure, yeah. That, that's fast probably... Forward, <laughs> fast forward, then... That's probably then, the right. Then you're, then you're pretty much done. Yeah. Um, uh, Fantasyland is, is pretty much straightforward with a lot of the films are referenced. Uh, I'll just quickly fly through them. Aladdin, Alice in Wonderland... 
Uh, I think bed knobs and broomsticks you could even throw in there. Dumbo, Fantasia, Frozen's, plural, Pete's Dragon, Peter Pan, Pinocchio, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Tangled. You need to watch The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, if not for Disneyland alone, Little Mermaid, and The Sword in the Stone. Yeah, I think I, you could throw Aladdin in there at times too. I don't know, yeah. Philhar Magic um, and, and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, pretty much if you see an attraction, you know, in Fantasyland, there's going to be some sort of movie tie-in. Uh, for Tomorrowland, uh, what would you put? What would you put on there for Tomorrowland? I think you just want me to say Tomorrowland. And I'm not. <laughs> you won't make me do it. Uh, I was. I mean, I'll, I'll give Tomorrowland. You know, the the movie with George Clooney another shot. I haven't yet. I think it was hyped up to be something really, really, truly epic. I don't think we necessarily got that. Um, I think it was really cool that you know it was going to be Brad Bird and. George Clooney, and um, it wasn't the sort of park tie-in that I wanted. I think that's what a lot of people thought. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll say something real easy. Uh, uh, we'll throw in the Rocketeer. You know, you can you can make that association, of course, with Tomorrowland. And um, that's just a cool thing because it's not the greatest movie in the world, you know, but it is a, a hidden gem uh, uh, when it comes to you know, Disney films in a way and being able to access it all the time on Disney plus really, really cool. Yeah. I think there's some too that are not necessarily connected to the parks, but I think that they have that future exploration space travel. So Apollo missions to the moon is actually, it's a 2019 movie about um, the, the story of project Apollo and the 12 man missions. There's also expedition Mars spirit and opportunity, uh, man inside space there's also there's man in space is another episode of disneyland and back on the show a number of episodes ago we talked about disney and space there's some really good um first of all there's great animation in here uh apart from ward kimball one of walt's nine old men uh, really interesting look at the space program, uh, uh, Werner von Braun, a lot of discussion there. I don't want to sort of rehash what it is, but if you're interested in any of uh, the, the what the United States was doing in terms of space travel in the 60s and how Disney helped contribute to that, this is great. Um, again, I would certainly put Tron and Tron Legacy uh, in there as well. Rocketeer was very much on my list. Um, I think if for younger kids, there's Miles from Tomorrowland, um, you can Xenon. still throw a button at your, you know, you, you got your yeah. Toy Story in there and stuff like that. Um, piggybacking on the space thing, you know, coming soon, you're going to have from Nat, Nat Geo on Disney Plus. Uh, I think, I can't remember if it's a mini series or a full series, but they are taking the right stuff, uh, the Tom Wolf book mm-hmm. and then the, the film, and they're making it into a series as well. So that's going to be very, very cool. Cool. Um, let's move over to Epcot Center, which is what it'll always be called for me. And uh, we can sort of just go, you know, any that uh, for uh, for that that specifically tie into attractions. So, for example, uh, Spaceship Earth. Again, I'm going to go bounce back to National Geographic, which for I think for a lot of people are, are they don't even think about some of that content, and you should. There's a, a series called Origins: The Journey of hum- Humankind, which tracks human evolution through things like fire and communication and some of the things we see inside of spaceship earth 
you know, I think eventually we're going to be able to, well, we might as well start preparing. Let's, let's start watching the guardians, of the galaxy, you know, yeah. they're going to be <laughs> in a future world in due time. So you might as well start getting friendly with Peter, Peter Quill, star Lord and the likes. <laughs> uh, certainly there's a lot of other Nat Geo um, uh, stuff, content in terms of tying into the seas with Nemo and friend, a lot of things that look into ocean life, um, giants of the deep blue kingdom of the blue whale, the sharks of lost Island, which sounds like it would be an awesome, like adventure movie. Um, and there's also on, on the Island, they have legs, <laughs> right? Land oh shark <laughs> for those, for those who remember Saturday night live from like the seventies land shark. Um, oh, I- <laughs> and then dolphin reef is the first Disney nature film, which is going to be released exclusively on Disney plus. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that one is Natalie Portman narrates that one on Disney Plus, which is cool. I'll do some quick hits of the World Showcase if you want to move on over there. Wait, just real um, quick. Uh, so obviously you got to watch all the Honey, I Shrunk These. Oh, yeah, Honey, I Shrunk you, the Kid, Blew Up the Kids, Shrunk Ourselves. Um, you've got to watch Flubber the, and the, abs, the original Absent-Minded Professor to tie it to the Imagination Pavilion uh, for Mission Space. There's... Um, there's Roving Mars, Expedition Mars, and there's also Mars Inside SpaceX, which looks at Elon Musk and some of his efforts to get humans onto uh, Mars. And then there's also again the Apollo missions to Moon. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stretch here, uh, Con. I'm gonna I'm gonna really stretch because I needed to find something to tie into Test Track. So I give you. Oh, please. Oh, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you the love, the love bug. No. Herbie rides again. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. Herbie goes bananas. And Herbie, if you have to, fully loaded. Her fully loaded. Oh, no. <laughs> he went the whole way. Oh, no. Uh, you know, I will say, you want to stretch. Go ahead and stretch your legs with that Herbie reference there, Mongello. But I'll say, when I first went onto the new, you know, quote unquote test track, the first thing I thought was they built a Tron ride. They built a Tron ride. You know, I get a lot of that, you know, power cycle sort of light cycle sort of thing going on in the new test track. So I'll give you that. And then all that space stuff too. Remember, eventually we're going to get the Space 220 restaurant open. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be some cool tie-ins there as well. And I think, and, and I tried to find something for the land, like anything, and, I, and I'm going to really stretch because I love this movie so very much, and I'm going to tie in Wally because it's all about the environment and caring for the planet. Um, you know, we did a podcast, uh, 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 the WDW Opinion Podcast, where we kind of talked about re-theming attractions and stuff like that. Not that we ever want the land re-themed, but we said... We could do a Wally overlay over there, and and it would make perfect, perfect yeah. sense. Yep. So, that. Down. All right, so bring us into World Showcase because I'm starving anyway. Hola, we are in the Mexico Pavilion, and before we get an avocado margarita from Cava del Tequila, uh, a couple ones I wanted to talk about: the Three Caballeros, obviously the original ones, but also there's an animated series that only lasted one year. In 2018, it was called Legend of the Three Caballeros. It's actually really, really good. If you like the new DuckTales or even the old DuckTales, I think you're really going to enjoy this. Saludos, amigos, of course, as well. But then a documentary one, Walt and El Grupo, uh, that was directed by um, Frank Thomas's son, I believe, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, the uh, nine old man animator as well. But this is all about... 
Walt and his animators taking a goodwill tour to South America during the 1940s. There's a lot going on in the world then, of course, and the American government basically asked Walt to kind of, you know, be friendly with our uh, our allies, and as it were. And then what they learned there, they came back and they made uh, uh, the Three Caballos and Saludos Amigos. So I love that for Mexico. And then, of course, I mean, uh, as of late, Coco, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's still an exhibit there, uh, I believe, in the Mexico Pavilion, um, which is great. And gosh, boy, oh boy, do I love that movie. It is so good. And I'm well, you know, it, having tie-ins to one of my favorite World Showcase pavilions in Mexico. I'm cool with that. I agree 100%. And, and you know, I want to just sort of um, highlight Walt and El Grupo. It might not on its face seem like something that you should watch, but if you are a fan of Walt himself, uh, there, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of personal stuff about Walt there, too. It was, it was right about the time that Walt's father had passed. So this was a, a very interesting time for Walt, both personally and professionally. Um, and you also sort of get to see and meet some of the animators that went along uh, with him as well. So highly, highly recommend Walton El Grupo. Um, and yeah, Coco's, and now I want Mexican food. Um, all right, I'll just, I will just go around the horn, um, obviously for Norway, Frozen, Frozen 2, and Olaf's Frozen Adventure. And don't forget Lego Disney Frozen Northern Lights. <laughs> How could I forget that? I have three posters. I'm looking at it right now from the um, main Norway stuff there. Yeah, uh, Mulan obviously for for uh, China, uh, and there's also China: The Secret of the Magic Gourd, which is Disney's first feature film produced especially for China. Interesting. I would also say Disney Nature: Born, born in, in China, China. <laughs> uh, born in China, uh, uh, following some panda bears. You know, you can't go wrong with that, among other other creatures. So that's a cool one for sure for me for China. Okay, so. Unless I missed something, I, I had to really stretch a little bit uh, for for Germany and Italy. So for Germany, the only thing I got was Emil and the Detectives, which was set in Berlin and filmed in Germany. That is a I was just going to go what I thought was the easiest one, which was Snow White. You know, oh my it, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you actually scared me when you didn't say Snow White. I was like, oh. God, it's the wrong country. I just want to no. give you the softball. That's all. Yeah, that's a that's a deep pull, my friend. Very good. Um, and then Italy. I, I mean, again, you know, all right, we can, we can, we've got the obvious, um, you know, with things like Pinocchio. But again, I tried to, I tried to go deep. I tried to go deep, and the only thing I got was the Lizzie McGuire movie. Sing Lizzie- to me, Paolo. Sing to me, Lizzie got to go to Rome. Oh, let me tell you the story of Lizzie McGuire. (laughs) Was she wronged by Paolo in that film? Oh, gosh. Thank you for bringing that up. I have to rewatch that now tonight. (laughs) Uh, All right. So take us over to uh, American Adventure. American Adventure. I mean, you know, it's tough with, with... the American Adventure, because we can say everything we said, you know, about Frontierland, about Liberty Square, about even Main Street USA. Most of the ones, you know, that are American themed, we can definitely put in American Adventure. But we have a new barbecue restaurant there 
And, you know, I'll be darned if I don't mention <laughs> this is where I'm getting my Muppets tie-in, baby. Whatever Muppets movie you want, Sam Eagle, he's cooking up barbecue in the back. I don't think anyone's mentioned how it's weird that he's cooking up chicken as well. But that's besides the point. It doesn't matter. We're seeing the Muppets. We're seeing um, the Muppets take Manhattan, the great Muppet caper. Uh, uh, I don't know if the great Muppet caper is on there, but I just rewatched the Muppet movie, you know, the Muppets starring Jason Siegel from a few years back. I absolutely love that film and I'm tying it into the, the American adventure. I will go. Um, I will go a little bit more, you know, heart of America with the 2004 documentary America's heart and soul, which is sort of this uh, road trip across the U S and, you know, which I think shows that while we are all very different, um, there is a, a spirit of America that hopefully continues to unite us all. The National Geographic miniseries America's National Parks, Bully Beautiful, Theodore Roosevelt, and how, how do you forget National Treasure with the greatest American actor of our time, Nicolas Cage? No. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I'm actually upset at myself now. <laughs> you want to hear my Nick Cage impression? I, I Without a doubt. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Thank you. You know, we I'm, don't get a lot of impressions on the show, but that might be the best one. <laughs> I'm your guy. I am your guy. I've been waiting years to do that on the show, my friend. You want to go Super America, too? Um, nothing gets me, you know, rah, rah, USA more than Miracle, the hockey film about, you know, the 1980 Olympic hockey oh, yeah. team. Miracle on Ice, such a great, great movie. And um, we can tie that into to uh, the American Pavilion for sure. So I'm going to, uh, I have to jump onto Japan because it's it's my favorite pavilion. Uh, I just visited last year. I, my love of Japan goes very far and very deep. And even before we talked about doing this segment, I, I discovered, uh, again, a, a hidden gem, I think, on Disney Plus, admittedly, National Geographic was not a huge attractor to me. I just I just don't watch a lot. And I've been fascinated by what I have found in terms of the quantity and quality of the programming. And I won't go into my, you know, Nat Geo rant about how much I enjoy it, but I had been thinking about Japan a lot recently, and I just found Japan between Earth and Sky. It is nothing short of spectacular. It is shot in 4K. It's, you can watch it on mute for all I care, although the narration is poetic. It is. It's poetic. And there's this tranquil beauty of Japan, and it's made up of three films that total just about an hour in length, and it takes us geographically from north to south and has this wonderfully balanced look at nature, tradition and uh and modern times um it's it is i think one of the most beautiful films that you will see here or anywhere else it's calming it's peaceful it reminds me of places that i went places that i want to revisit and places i want to explore for the first time if you want something that is relaxing educational and yes even a little inspiring I, I cannot recommend it like i'm going to watch it again like i want to just take my laptop downstairs work on the couch and just have this um playing in the background i don't think there's been anything on nat geo that i haven't just been blown away with uh, i think almost everything that they've brought to the disney plus table 
is so fantastic. And that's just like, that's the cherry on top. You know, that's the, we got all of our Disney, our Marvel, our Pixar, our Star Wars, but oh my gosh, we also have this in, these incredible documentaries and nature series from Nat Geo. I love it. I, I can't get enough. It's gorgeous. Of it. It's gorgeous. Like, and especially if you have like a 4K TV or something, it is just, it's beautiful. It is, and it's yeah. not what you expect it to be. It's not, you know, uh, a triptych tourist guide of Japan. It is, it is the areas of Japan that you would probably never see otherwise. And just as a quick aside, if that's not your cup of tea, I get it. I dig it. I had to find a way to include one of my favorite Disney movies, which what does not take place in Japan, certainly inspired by Japanese um, uh, culture. Big Hero 6 in San Francisco. Um, I, I love, I love that movie. You can see a lot of um, Tory gates and pagodas and things like that. And if you really, really just need even more, uh, the Cars tune Tokyo Mater does a little, uh, little drift style racing in Tokyo because you can never have enough Mater. You uh, you drift down there in Orlando? Is that how you get to and from the parks? That's how I get to my mailbox. I just literally oh. just drift down the driveway. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Love Big Hero Six in um, my CRV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the neighbors are not happy with uh, Lou, but you know you got to do what you got to do. Um, I love Big Hero Six. Uh, I'm on board with that. No stretch for me. I, I totally get that. San Fran, Tokyo. You know. Did uh, you have any? Or Morocco? So, look, you know, it's 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 not Aladdin, but it's Aladdin, right? And that's, you know, that's was, was some of the issues with when, when the pavilion first opened. Um, but if you want to sort of make that loose connection, um, Aladdin, you got Return of Jafar and King of Thieves and uh, the live action, re- which I have not seen the live action remake yet. It's really good. I was like pleasantly surprised i think a lot of these live action remakes have been okay some of them i I have enjoyed i was not expecting aladdin the live action one to for me to like it but i really really enjoyed that's the one starring dj jazzy jeff right yes that's right or the fresh with the fresh prince (laughs) right right yes yes, (laughs) absolutely it also carlton makes an appearance i very (laughs) all right so france go ahead france is easy Beauty and the Beast, you know, I mean, we're getting even more Beauty and the Beast with our, our sing-alongs and, and, and things like that. Um, we could even, you know, technically do a, a Sleeping Beauty, uh, I believe. Um, so those are really the two big ones. And I also, Aristocats, I mean. What? Wait, wait. Ratatouille. Just, oh my gosh. <laughs> In my head with the, the, the pavilions too, I always think about, okay, what, characters can i meet there you know who have i seen walking around and those ones i have and very 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 soon we're going to start to see you know more remy more emile um so that's awesome i just want to be vindicated for missing snow white that's all i was just trying (laughs) you are you are uh uk obviously mary poppins uh if you haven't seen bed knobs and broomsticks um David Tomlinson is is in there as well. So is director Robert Stevenson. Um, very much, uh, uh, you know, a sister movie as it maybe were to Mary Poppins. Robin Hood, 1973, has some great music in there as well. Uh, Sword in the Stone, King and Kid, Kid in King Arthur's Court um, might be one if you wonder if you're interested in some of the, uh, the legends of King Arthur. Yeah, uh, those are pretty much the big ones. You know, you... 
I could tie Peter Pan into it because we got a topiary mm-hmm. there from Peter Pan. Um, those are those are the big ones uh, for me. Um, Lou, I just typed in Canada to Disney Plus. Um, nothing came up, so I guess we could move on. The Incredible on. Journey. The Incredible Three Pets Explore Canada Far and Wide in the Incredible Journey as they traverse 200 miles of course, gorgeous Canadian wilderness to find their family. I had no idea that was in Canada. I believe I was supposed to read the book in middle school. I can't recall if I did or not. There's but. also the seven-part docu-series about the history of poutine coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's wishful thinking. It, like I'm yeah. just. <laughs> so. Yes, it is. I'll give you one though. Um, you know, Martin Short used to be uh, uh, the narrator of the Great Oak Canada. You can watch the Santa Claus Three. You can watch Jungle to Jungle. Martin Short's. On Disney Plus, he has been represented, which is always, always welcome. I was in a really bad Ed Grimley impression, so, but I won't. Well, <laughs> I don't know how bad it was compared to my Nick Cage, but you know. Yeah, Nick Cage is going to be tough to beat. All right, let's move over to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, obviously, I think we can just say that the Imagineering story encompasses all of the parks. Um, I think that, um, uh, as I thought about the history of of Hollywood studios when it was Disney MGM studios and was when it was um, a true animation studio. Um, and if you remember sort of outside the theater, there used to be some of the handprints of um, some of the famed animators. I think that you have to watch um, not just waking sleeping beauty, but you have to watch um, Frank and Ollie, which sure. documents the careers of Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnson, who were two of the nine old men. Yeah, and that's awesome. And and that one, I believe, is also directed by Frank's son, who went on to do Walt and El Grupo as well. You know, anytime you can uh, get those stories of the the people that helped create the magic, that helped create and draw such iconic characters, that's so cool. And I just love the Frank and Ollie story. Best friends. They get jobs at the Disney company. They move uh, uh, their next door neighbors throughout their entire career. Two legends living next to each other. So cool. So cool. it's like the odd couple for a you know a new generation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> um, so going down Hollywood Boulevard, uh, we talked about I think the the Mickey Mouse shorts, uh, Potato Land, Saving Mr. Banks. We had mentioned before, um, and as we approached uh, Echo Lake. We mentioned Rocketeer earlier, but there's a lot of Rocketeer references, not just in Sci-Fi Dine-In, but uh, at PV's Polar Pipeline as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that you can also, like if you really want to stretch, like I was trying to think inside of Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater, I don't think they actually show any clips, but it really is about like those weird, wacky, like, B movies from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So I'm going to tell you to go watch The Cat from Outer Space. Okay. All right. You can tell me to do whatever. I might not follow through with it, but okay. <laughs> 1978. That's good TV right there. That is good TV uh, right there. Was, it, was that a TV special? No, it was a you movie. Heard? It was a full blown movie. <laughs> No, I've I've heard I've heard horror tales about it, but uh, sure, yeah. I mean, if I'll tell you what, the next time I go into sci sci fi dine in and the cat from outer space comes up while I'm eating my cheeseburger, I'm going to be a little upset. <laughs> I'll be honest, but we can tie it in nonetheless. Um. All right. So, Toy Story Land is obviously obvious. Um. Although Forky asks a question, 
um, is is a very interesting creative um, uh, display of of Forky and his um, his his unique way of thinking. Interesting is the operative word there. Um, I would describe it as a uh, feature on Disney Plus. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> If we want to stretch even further, you know, kind of on the backside of Toy Story land, I know we're kind of making this circle, but it was right next to Sci-Fi uh, uh, Drive-In as well. Uh, baseline Tap House, you know, it's it's themed after kind of the the old, one of the old print shops basically on Hyperion Avenue, I believe, back in, in, in California. And they have, you know, printings up kind of hanging in the rafters. And it's also a nod to the, 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 there's certain elements, the writer stop used to be there. So there are certain elements to, to that previous uh, kind of little cafe. But if you look up, you can see, I believe it's some, some sort of uh, uh, posters from Pinocchio and you can kind of see the process that they're going through of drawing and then laying the first color on and then laying the second color on and, and stuff like that. So that's how I'm tying it in. Plus I need a charcuterie board. I need a flight of beer. I am not going to give it all up here, but next time we go, there are some amazing references up in the rafters that are that are so obscure and so hard to find, not just to what was there previously, but to Disneyland as well. Really, really good stuff. Um, so if we can show out of that and um, uh Charcuterie board, Whew. sign me up. Listen, always. Um, so Grand Avenue, obviously anything Muppets, Muppet movie, Great Muppet Caper, Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, The Muppets, Muppets Most Wanted, and the very, very, very short-lived 2015 series as well. Um, we also we skipped Animation Courtyard. Um, not necessarily in my wheelhouse much anymore because my kids are older, but get out there and check out Doc McStuffins. The Lion Guard, Vampirina, Mickey and the Roadster Racers, and The Little Mermaid Live, which we actually just watched the other night with my family. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I forgot about that. It was interesting. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> those those live uh those live ones are always interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. It was a uh, it was the it was a combination of live performance and a lot of animation from the original film. Oh really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Kind of interpretive I'm a- dance and stuff like that going on there. So <laughs> I think that'd be right up my alley. That's what I majored in in college. Um, <laughs> I don't need to spot check me on that or whatever. Quick thing that's coming up later this year as well. When it comes to the Muppets, Muppets Now. That's going to be the first ever unscripted Muppets TV series mm-hmm. that's coming to Disney Plus. So I'm really really excited about that. We, lest we forget uh, High School Musical, the musical, the musical, the series, the musical, um, which my kids love, by the way. My daughter I loves like that. Love yeah, 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 um, yeah. I, I ain't too proud to admit it, too. I there's also it. the um, Pixar in Real Life um, series as well for all the connections to Pixar. I think you Encore can- is one that you can probably stretch and put in there as well. Certainly Cars and all the Cars stuffs. And uh, and there's that little place down the street known as Galaxy's Edge. Ah, uh, yes. Um, we could talk about you know about most of the Lego uh, Star Wars series. <laughs> Lou, I'm not going to pick the most obvious ones. You know, the the new Star Wars films, the old Star Wars films, the middle Star Wars films. That's what they should be referred to. The middle Star Wars films. What I'm going to pick 
is something unique. Empire of yeah. Dreams, yep. story of the Star Wars trilogy. Really, really awesome documentary about those first three films. It follows George Lucas for the most part, but it's got interviews with not just the actors, but the producers, the people behind the scenes, the camera operators, things like that. And it just follows the path of how big a deal, you know, Star Wars, you know, now A New Hope really was, and then the success and how difficult the other two films were also uh, to make. So I really, 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 really love that. I love that a lot. <clears throat> and then, of course, there's the, the the Star Wars films that you should care about, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi with my, my fellow Ewoks. Certainly The Mandalorian, I've watched twice so far with my family, but... Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, is a new eight-part documentary miniseries that debuted um, just about a a month ago that talks about different aspects of the series. So if you want to really learn about how things are made and mindset and the incredible special effects that have never been done anywhere, it's just mind-blowing how they create it. John Favreau, I just want to be friends with him, not just because his of him, who's the wild man now in Rudy and Iron Man and Marvel, but what he has done with the Mandalorian. Um, and I'm not just even referencing the child, but I think the Mandalorian single handedly reignited a level of Star Wars fandom that admittedly had, had dissipated um, a lot over the last number of years. Such a cool guy, John Favreau, and God bless him for doing what he's done with with everything. You know, whether it's Marvel, whether it is, you know, I love the Jungle Book live adaptation, The Mandalorian, stuff like that. Uh, uh, really, really, really cool. And I hope that this something, that the galleries sort of stuff, is something that they continue to do with other series as well. You know, kind of with Disney Insider, we're getting looks into all sorts of different avenues of the company. But you know, here's hoping that. When we start to get some Marvel live action series, maybe they start doing that with those Marvel things or with with other you know components on Disney Plus as well. Kevin Feige, I'm looking at you, brother. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's make our way over to Disney's Animal Kingdom. Um, Can I do one quick final shout of out? Of course. Sorry. To Hollywood Studios and things that are no longer there. Oh. Lou, let's not forget that Disney's MGM Studios opened with the intention of being a real live action and animated studio lot. And in many ways, they succeeded. So if you want to watch Mulan, Lilo and Stitch, and Brother Bear, those are three animated films that were produced primarily at Disney's MGM Studios in the animation department there. That was part of the original tour um, as well uh, uh, when you used to do the, like the backstage tour sort of sort of stuff. But what I'm really upset about is uh, um, The Lottery, starring Bette Midler, <laughs> Splash 2, T-O-O, and The Tower of Terror are some of the live action films filmed at Disney's MGM Studios. Unfortunately, none of those are on Disney Plus yet, but hopefully eventually they will come. So that's just a kind of a cool tie-in to realize, oh, wow, these ones were built yeah. and created in Florida. Do you remember the um, the Mermaid Fountain over by the back yes. the studio catering company? That was from Splash. Yeah, yeah Splash. 
do. See? Everything yeah. ties. It's like six degrees of splash is what this entire show is really going to be. <laughs> yeah. Podcast idea. <laughs> Uh, all right, so moving over to uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom again, Imagineering story touches on it. Uh, episode four, Hit or Miss, really talks a lot about Animal Kingdom. Um, and and obviously there's a lot of Disney nature documentaries um, and even some of the true life series like Secrets of Life, Wings of Life is one of the Disney nature series as well. But I think that there's other ones too that might be obvious and a, and a few that might be hidden connections as well. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we can obviously start with the obvious ones and we can start with Avatar. We have one film uh, uh, so far. We have, I believe James Cameron has said 23 other films. I, I don't know if there are that many slated to be done, but something that's interesting about this film is seeing it in the movie theaters, you know, back in 2008, 2009 was for many people like a life-changing experience. One of the first movies that was shot or 3D on those big IMAX cameras that really, really moved people. I think when it transitions to the smaller screen at your home, the story might not hold up as much. But what I think it's a testament to is the power of the Imagineers to take a landscape and avatar that you know you might not be emotionally connected to because of the story or because of what's going on in that world, but create a place that is truly, truly, truly breathtaking for a film that, you know, is might be the highest grossing film of all time or, or what have you, but it's not necessarily one that people have strong emotional connections to, but I think you can have strong emotional connections to that land. Mm-hmm. I agree 110%. I, I couldn't tell you the name of characters from Avatar. I know Ripley was in it and Giovanni Ribisi was in it and the the blue guys and and that's it but i love the land and i love how that attraction makes me feel um you know elsewhere through the parks again the the easy high level stuff is, is things like a bug's life um for discovery island which by the way it's tough to be a bug actually opened before the film opened up a bug's life uh opened uh april 22nd 1998 um although uh, it's tough to be a bug opened April 22nd, A Bug's Life didn't open until November of that year. So for a few months, you got to see these characters that you had never seen in a film before. Yeah, super interesting, especially from the fact that it's the centerpiece attraction. I mean, it's in the tree of life. That could have been a huge miss for Disney, for Pixar, but they went all in on it. And and kudos to them because um, I don't know if you enjoy hearing little children scream, but if you do... It's tough to be a bug. That's the attraction. Well, it was you. that or Mars needs moms. So they had to choose one oh. of the two to be the centerpiece. So if you wanted to hear adults scream, it could have been, could have been Mars. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I've never seen it, so I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Do, I shouldn't joke about Mars need moms. I might actually love it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'd love a cat from outer space too, or whatever the heck you call that. <laughs> Maybe kind of a lesser known one, even though it's the same exact name, dinosaur. You know the movie. And also Dinosaur, the attraction. Lou, I've learned so much about Dinosaur from you. Dinosaur is one of my top five favorite attractions because of how ridiculous it is. I love the lines in the attraction. Why about lines? I mean, the quips from Dr. Grant Seeker. I love you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Ah, You made it. I love that there's a reference to McDonald's, not just there 
you know, ketchup, mustard, and mayo uh, uh, scientific equations on the pipes because McDonald's was an original sponsor of the attraction. I think this is just such a quirky ride. And the fact that it opened as Countdown to Extinction, something completely different. And then we had Dinosaur, which is this weird kind of CGI film that came out in 2000 when Disney was really trying to duke it out in a lot of ways of what Pixar was doing. And then they basically added in the, uh, uh, what is his name? Aladar, something like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Dinosaur to Dinosaur. Um, It's a weird tie-in that I don't think people really connect because not a whole lot of people have seen that film, but I absolutely love the attraction. Well, I, I think I can probably use this opportunity to to break this news now that they're actually going to be retheming Dinosaur in Disney's Animal Kingdom to the good dinosaur from no, 2015. <laughs> the, the, the 3D. Uh, <laughs> By the way, I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, but if, if listen, if you're a dinosaur person, then check out Disney Plus, uh, The Good Dinosaur, uh, the Pixar film released by Walt Disney Pictures, uh, which was probably not its its biggest hit ever, um, but it is dinosaur-themed, and my son in his younger years would have consumed anything that was dinosaur-related. Um, and as long as we're in dinosaur, as long as we're in dino land, you have to go see all of the Finding Nemo's just for Finding Nemo the musical. Absolutely. Which is some of the best music anywhere in the park, by the way. It's incredible. So underrated. So, so, so underrated that uh, that show. I love it. And of course, how can you not love Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, all of that stuff? Uh, In Asia, um, you need to go see Up for the Up Bird Adventure. Um, I will see your Up and I will raise you Monkey Kingdom, (laughs) Disney Nature documentary. Yeah. uh, And really, all those Disney nature documentaries, I love the two elements. They always seem to get a cool celebrity narrator. And they, I don't know who Monkey Kingdom is, but I know like the Bears is uh, John C. Riley. The elephant one they just had is uh, uh, Megan. Duchess, Duchess of Sussex, is that it? Or Cambridge? I'm so sorry. I've probably offended. Go many back to Nicholas Cage again. Do Nicholas Cage. <laughs> we should have, we should have picked her for Canada too. I forgot about that. But um, uh, uh, so you know, Natalie Portman doing the dolphin stuff. So uh, really, really cool stories. Really cool uh, shots, and then a cool narrator as well. Uh, I will just just for fun, because I'm loving on National Geographic. There's also a documentary called Secrets of the King Cobra. And as you know, of course, Connor, the King Cobra is native to Southeast Asia and India. I didn't, but I, I now know I will never be going to Southeast Asia. <laughs> like snakes. This is a huge go with me, of course. But when I look up at Expedition Everest and I see one of the biggest mountains in all of Florida, the only thing I'm reminded of now is Free Solo, the <laughs> epic documentary from Nat Geo. You know, it's a it's an absolutely insane documentary. It's on Disney Plus. If you've never watched it, uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, really, really cool story. Um, interesting characters in that, but that's my tie into Expedition Everest. Free Solo is the the solo climber who was trying to um, scale the El Capitan. Is that what it was? The El Capitan? Yeah. So uh, uh, Yosemite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Free Solo is basically he doesn't have any um, ropes or anything. I mean, he's just he's just going for it, which is uh, 
and he's by himself. So uh, he is an interesting character. His name's Alex. I can't remember his last name, but he's just super gung ho about that sort of stuff. And, you know, it, it's also directed by a mountaineer. So the shots that they get, they're scaling the walls next to him and stuff. And, and it's a really, really, really interesting story about a very, very interesting guy. Yeah. And, and I have a feeling this ends very differently than 127 hours with James Franco, which oh, did yeah. not end well for him. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I don't think Disney Plus though. Or, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I love Rafiki's Planet Watch. I, I, I've loved it since I used to take my kids and even just going on my own and just to see how the animal specialists uh, take care of such a wide spectrum of species uh, in a place that really is a theme park. Uh, again, National Geographic has a, a number of different series uh, about Rocky Mountain animal rescue. There are some that focus on some veterinarians, including Dr. K's Exotic Animal ER, um, which sounds a little bit something like Tiger King, but I think it's probably very, very different. No, no, no. Um, no. Very, very different. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I think a lot of the things uh, at Nat Geo you can tie into Planet Watch. We've kind of been weaving in, you know, things that are currently on there and things that are coming. You know, this has been announced and it's still in the works. We haven't got a whole lot of details, but there will be a series coming out following the veterinarian and the uh, uh, animal keeping team, not only at Animal Kingdom, but also the ones from the seas in Epcot. Uh, again, hasn't really been announced with too much details. I do know that it's still in the works. Um, so I think that's going to be very cool, but that's going to be produced in association with National Geographic as well. Yeah. Again, uh, all the Disney nature and National Geographic stuff. We talked about African cats, elephant's tail, tree climbing lions, uh, kingdom of the apes battle lines, which sounds like another sequel to the, the much beloved for me, planet of the apes series. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's certainly great stuff that you can tie into any or all the lands at, at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Monkey Kingdom, Kingdom of the Apes. My goodness. Ducktails. <laughs> I think Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Like, let's you know, we will lighten things up a little bit. There are they are Rescue Rangers, and and you can tie it in there. Yeah, absolutely. There's also unlikely animal friends on National Geographic. Uh, there's, all, think, there's actually there's also a really good documentary about Jane Goodall. Um, as long, I mean, if we're talking about Animal Kingdom, we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Jane Goodall, too. But I think it's super important to just kind of, you know, keep mentioning things, Lou, because I think for a lot of people who might be on the fence, I mean, I don't think a lot of the, you know, people listening right now and, and, and members of, 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 you know, the Box People group are, are not signed up for Disney Plus. But I think... The biggest question I always get from my friends is, okay, well, I've seen all the Marvel, I've seen all the Star Wars, I've seen all the Pixar. I'm, I'm pretty much done with Disney Plus, right? No, it's a treasure trove of content beyond the Disney walls and things like all of these animal, uh, uh, you know, and Nat Geo combinations are, are just awesome. And certainly the the ultimate uh, connective tissue for uh, Animal Kingdom would be uh, the 2001 film Dr. Doolittle 2. Uh, yes, yes. Starring Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Not getting a whole lot of (laughs) this list. He's come a a long way since, uh, since Eddie Murphy delirious and Saturday Night Live. But yeah, I mean, look, the, the thing is there is something for every member of the family to watch individually or collectively as a family. I think the way Walt had intended, you know, again, I want to bring it all the way back to Walt. That's what he wanted. The Disneyland 
TV series to be. He wanted us to gather around the TV as a family. And I think that's what Disney Plus is allowing us to do. And because we can't get to the parks now because they're closed or just even in general because we can't get there as often as as you might like, there are so many different ways and avenues to bring things that you see, hear, do, experience in the parks home to you via Disney+. Plus. Lou, I have one final one I want to mention um, if we want to start wrapping things up. Uh, what do you say? Go ahead. So I'm picking Toy Story. And, you know, it's not because I love Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger spin, which I do. And I'm a guaranteed galactic hero. Every time I get on that attraction, no doubt about that, I'm going to max out the score. It's not that I love Toy Story Land, which I do. I think Slinky Dog Dash is awesome. I love Toy Story Mania and Tachos from Woody's Lunchbox, need I say more? No, Lou, the reason I'm picking Toy Story is because it's the first movie I ever saw in the movie theaters. And growing up, that's the movie I watched, you know, all the time. As a kid, I remember dressing up as Woody for one Halloween. And then the next Halloween, I dressed up as Buzz. And then as an adult, I also dressed up as Buzz for Halloween. But really, that's a conversation I just need to have with my therapist, regardless of that. I love the first two movies, but then for me, that third movie, Toy Story 3, Andy goes to college. And around that time, I was getting ready to go to college too. So in many ways, I felt like I was Andy. You know, this was my childhood. And I don't want anyone saying, oh, it was Pixar or whatever. It's Disney. In my mind, that's Disney for me growing up and seeing all my favorite characters in those Disney parks. It's Toy Story. It's Disney. But this is a type of pick that everyone out there will have a different selection of, right? It might be the first movie you saw. It might be your favorite movie. It might be the movie that just had a really super big impact on you during an important time of your life. Whatever it is, it's going to be a certain movie for you. Uh, Lou, I love the fact that Disney Plus is a great way for us to entertain ourselves. But what I love even more is that Disney Plus, it's the ultimate way to relive those memories. You know, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it because remembering those connections and emotions that Disney is good at creating, that's what Disney does. They forge memories. They create those lasting emotions for you. For me, it's Toy Story. Lou, it might be something else for you. For a friend out there listening, it might be something different as well. But I love Disney Plus because I can, you know, capture those memories and those emotions that I always loved growing up. Without a doubt, um, you, you're bringing full circle back to what we started talking about was the way it's about the way Disney makes us feel and the way all of these different shows on Disney Plus make us feel, whether they make us laugh, cry, feel a sense of, of sentimentality and or nostalgia. I want to know from you, what is your favorite uh, parks related show on Disney Plus or maybe a hidden gem that you want others to enjoy. Uh, there's lots of ways we can talk about this. Be part of the community and conversation by going to www.radio.com slash community. We can talk about this week's show or anything you want there. You can also uh, call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Let me know one of your favorite park-related shows on Disney Plus and why. And then when you're done with all that, you have to go to WDWOpinion.com. And Connor, again, uh, tell people where they can find you and what they can find there and and some of the other stuff that you're doing uh, on your site. Absolutely. So, you know, WDW Opinion, it's where we help you plan for and daydream about 
your next perfect Walt Disney World vacation. We're a blog, we're a podcast, we got the live show as well. I would love, love, love for you guys to check out the podcast. But something we're also doing on our live show each uh, week, we're going to start doing a Disney Plus movie club. It's kind of like a book club, except you don't have to read. You can thank me later. You can learn about all of this stuff by visiting wdwopinion.com. Awesome. And I will link to all that in the show notes, man. This was tons of fun. We've got to do this again. There's lots of other fun stuff we can uh, certainly talk about again. As long as you promise me one thing that you will bring a Nicolas Cage impression to each and every show that we do going forward. Oh, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> this is going to be what I'm known for, which, uh, I'm all right with. I'm yeah. okay with it. <laughs> Listen, if the Disney thing doesn't work out, you've always got that. You could always be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Square Nick Cage impersonator. Awesome, dude. Thank you. So, all right. So, listen, if you hang up the phone right now and go down and, and go sit on your couch and turn on Disney Plus, what's the first thing you put on? Go. Uh, cats from Outer Space. No, uh, I'm I'm putting on Lizzie McGuire movie, man. Paolo, sing to me. <laughs> you didn't sing during this, and I was very offended. I do have to watch National Treasure again, just because. God, so good. I'm telling you, watch Japan between Earth and Sky. You know, there's something where you just got to get the queue filled up with as much Nat Geo stuff as as you <laughs> I know. I never watched it before, and now I'm all I'm, I'm, I'm waving the Nat Geo flag pretty hard. I'll watch Japan stuff. You watch Free Solo, but then you got to promise me we'll go on a Free Solo adventure one day. Done. Ish. Oh, wow. for all the yeah, here in Florida we'll do it. Where there's lots of lots of really hot tall mountains. <laughs> Those hills are tough to climb sometimes. <laughs> they're, the called speed, they're called speed bumps. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or to see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes what you see, hear, or yes, even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I took you back to Walt Disney World, specifically Epcot Center's history, and I asked you to tell me the name of the pilot that guided the audience through a 12-year-old's morning routine in the extinct Cranium Command attraction in the Wonders of Life Pavilion. Now, I want to first thank the so many of you who entered, got this one correct, and knew that the answer is Buzzy. Now, Buzzy is this rookie recruit in the Cranium Commando Forces, He was originally going to be called Captain Cortex, which was a name and a design created by Imagineer X Atencio back in 1987. Now, if you don't remember this show, which debuted in October 1989, it sort of felt like an audio-animatronic early version of the Pixar film Inside Out, which would make sense because Pete Docter was an animator on this project. It was one of his first jobs. He'd later become a director at Pixar, and his third feature was, of course, Inside Out, where he explored the mind of an 11-year-old girl, and he admitted that the attraction played a part in inspiring the development of the film. It also featured a star-studded cast, stars of 1989, including George Went from Cheers as the Hungry Stomach, Charles Grodin was the left brain, John Lovitz was the right brain, 
Bobcat Goldthwait was the adrenal gland. Dana Carvey and Kel- Kevin Nealon reprised their roles as Hans and Franz from Saturday Night Live, and they were the left and right v- ventricles, of course, to pump you up. The hypothalamus was Kirk Wise. Again, the, the list sort of went on and on, and the show played until about early 2004 b- before it went seasonal and then closed permanently on January 1st, 2007. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and again, last week you were playing for all of my digital products, my 102 Ways to Save Money, four at Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of Magic Kingdom, where I take you land by land in 3D binaural audio and give you a walking tour of the secrets, history, details, and stories. All those, by the way, still available for just $10 at www.radio.com. I'm also going to send the winner a WW Radio vinyl sticker, a Magic Band cover, and a mystery prize from my personal collection. I am in the process of going through my five decades of collecting Disney and Star Wars items and putting 10 new items each week up on eBay at www.radio.com slash eBay. $1 opening bid, no reserve. Things going back from the late 60s, early 70s, books, artwork, collectibles, and lots more. Again, each auction begins and ends. 10 new auctions every week, Sundays at 9 p.m. Anyway, I'm going to pull one of those items, add that to the prize package, and last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Eric Arroyo. So, Eric, congratulations. Use the online form at www.radio.com. I have a shipping address. I will get your prize package at you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, when Morocco, we're going to stay in Epcot, when Morocco in Epcot Center's World Showcase first opened, the Tangerine Cafe side note, one of arguably the best counter service locations anywhere in Walt Disney World. Anyway, the Tangerine Cafe did not open with the pavilion. It actually opened years later. So this week's trivia question is, tell me what originally occupied the location where the Tangerine Cafe currently sits? Now you have until Sunday, June 21st at 11.59pm Eastern to go to www.radio.com click on this week's podcast, use the online form there. Again, you're going to play for all the digital products, the book, the audio tours, the vinyl sticker, the Magic Band cover, and I'm also going to pull another mystery item from my collection. And, and if you're enjoying playing these trivia questions each week, don't forget to join me on Instagram every single day for daily Disney trivia. It's easy, fun, just a few seconds to play. Great way to test your knowledge and maybe even learn something along the way. You can find those on my Instagram stories every morning at Instagram.com slash So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I sincerely appreciate you. I know your time is your most valuable commodity, and I'm grateful that you spend and share it with me. Please come by, be part of the community and the conversation at www.radio.com slash community. That is our group over on Facebook. It is fun, family-friendly, incredibly welcoming. Come and talk about this week's show, a past episode, or anything you'd like to discuss. Again, www.radio.com slash community. Speaking of community and really family, I want to thank everybody who is a member of the WW Radio Nation family. I appreciate your love and your support, your friendship and help, and I also love being able to give back to you each and every month. I want to thank some new and longtime members like Troy Bryant, Doug Smidebush, Joseph Breton, Karen St. Pierre, Richard Pete, and Andrew Milan. 
And if you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but also get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts and trivia quests, access to our private Facebook group, custom Magic Band covers, logo gear, t-shirts, backpacks, care packages from Walt Disney World, exclusive live video group calls, and lots more, please visit www.radio.com support. And of course, while it is completely optional, it is a great way for you to not only help the show, but show your support for WW Radio. And don't forget that a portion of the proceeds of your contributions go to our Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com, or call the voicemail be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. It's 407-900-WDW1 with a question, a comment, or just a hello. Please join me this and every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live on Facebook. It is a weekly interactive conversation and chat where I'll share my top five live, a new top five every week. Ask you to weigh in as well. We'll play 20 questions, talk about this week's show and Walt Disney World news and lots more. Again, every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at WDWRadioLive.com. Let's also keep the conversation going on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And stay tuned to our events page at wdwradio.com slash events for more virtual and upcoming in-person events, including our Marvel Day at Sea cruise this January on the Disney Magic out of Miami, Florida. For more information, you can visit wdwradio.com slash Marvel Cruise. There you'll find our itinerary as well as get a free no-obligation quote. And of course, that quote is going to come from our friends over at MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, my official and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs as we start to get ready to open up and travel once again, whether you're traveling domestically, internationally, to a Disney destination or anywhere on the planet. You realize now, I think more than ever, the importance of having a travel agent not only to help you book, but to be there on your side if in case things ever go wrong. More importantly, Becky and her entire team of agents treat you like family, which is why I use them and more importantly, why I trust to recommend them. It's more than just about getting the best possible prices. It is really that level of personal service and care that is their hallmark. Again, you can find them over at mousefantravel.com. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. How you can tweet out that you're listening, share a link to this or your favorite episodes on Facebook. And if you can, Take just 30 seconds to rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts. It is so incredibly helpful. I want to thank some recent reviewers like hashtag anger, hashtag frustration, which is a little scary, who says, first time listener, very impressive, interesting and intriguing podcast. Love the history and attention to details. Orange Teach says it's outstanding. I listened to the podcast since the beginning and Lou keeps getting better and better. Through the years, other podcasts have gained some ground, but none of them have overtaken WW Radio for the top spot. Lou is fantastic and unbelievably knowledgeable, as well as creative and fun. It's a great podcast for all things Disney World. Moon Fasario says, It's the best part of my week. I've been listening to Lou for years. The podcast not only never gets old, but it really never fails to bring a smile to my face, which is exactly what I wanted to do. I find myself singing along to the interlude backgrounds and repeating his sign-off, See ya! Truly like coming home when I tune in. Thank you, Lou, for bringing the magic from Florida straight into our homes. Moon Fasario, I am smiling ear to ear. Vertical Chaos says love with lots of exclamation points. Fabulous podcast about all things Disney, past, current, and sometimes future. Lou's passionate about Disney and what it stands for, and it shows both in him and the guests he has on the show. He's super enthusiastic and positive, but never fake. My only wish is that food reviews included people with allergies 
Vertical chaos, I promise it's coming. I keep volunteering as tribute as someone gluten-free with so far no dice. Vertical chaos, reach out to me. We'll make that happen. And finally, Card20 says, authenticity and attention to detail. Lou brings the energy, authenticity, and attention to detail that matches the Disney spirit. When I'm feeling down, Lou Mangiello content is my go-to. And when I'm feeling up, I love the podcast and audio walking tours that I'm getting into in quarantine. Consistent detail and storytelling every time I hear Lou speak. That's what makes him so great. Highly recommend Card 20, Vertical Chaos, Moon Facerio, and Orange Teach, and of course, hashtag anger and frustration. Thank you all so very much. If you want to find out how and where to leave a review, just search for WW Radio and Apple Podcasts or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. It'll give you instructions and a link right there. Finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love and appreciate you. I miss you very much. Um, I miss the meets of the month and seeing you in the parks and at special events. And I know and I understand and I care and appreciate that you are dealing with so much right now. And that's why I really do hope that this show is a bright spot in your day and week and a place of happiness and positivity and maybe even a little bit of inspiration. Again, I always will choose the good, right? I will make lemonade from lemons. I will find the good in everything. And I hope you understand there is incredible power in those three words, choosing the good. You have the power to make choices and decisions and to pull out the good in everything that you encounter. There is opportunity sometimes when there is difficulty. And if there's any way that I can help you, please reach out to me. Go to lumangelo.com. There's lots of ways that we can connect and work together there. I really do hope that this is your best week ever. I hope that the show put a little or a big smile on your face uh, and that maybe you're just a little bit happier as a result of it. So until next time, thank you. I love you. See ya. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Martin from Flower Town, Pennsylvania. It is Thursday night at 8 o'clock. I'm just going for a walk. We had a major, major storm here yesterday, and a lot of people without power. Thank God I have mine, because it is hot, 90 degrees today, of course, right? So, anyway, I'm calling to report that I really love the last show. I love when you guys do the reviews, especially with your family. I love hearing Deanna and the kids describe the food. And I love when Deanna says refreshing. I know you guys make fun of her for it. It's all right. It's all in good fun. Um, I'm a huge wine lover. The redder, the better is my motto. And I love the red blanche just like Deanna. So anyway, I love the show. And I hope you guys are all doing well. I hope all the WDW Nation is doing well. Everybody keep smiling. 2020 throwing a lot of stuff at us, but we're going to make it through. It's all for a reason, right? If it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. So everybody smile. Make somebody else smile. It's contagious. Have a great day. And I will see you guys in the box next week. Bye.
You know, Thomas Edison tried and failed nearly 2,000 times to develop the carbonized cotton thread filament for the incandescent light bulb. Edison. And when asked about it, he said, I didn't fail. I found out 2,000 ways how not to make a light bulb, but he only needed to find one way to make it work. <laughs>